0: Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, cause here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you for joining us this week. My name is Ken em. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. His name is Padawan J.
1: Hello, hello, hello.
0: And also joining us, it is your coach. It is my coach. It is the coach, Coach Duffy.
2: What's going on, everybody? How was uh, everybody's football weekend? Oh, great. Oh, oh, mine was fantastic. How was yours? I mean, they are who I thought they were. (laughs) I I told you you were going to lose,
0: and I was spot on. Yeah, we'll definitely be recapping the NFL and so much more in the world of sports, but definitely join in the conversation on social media. You can find all our links at ochoduroparlayhour.com. Join in on Facebook, join on Twitter, join in on Instagram, and remember, use the hashtag ODPH. Let us kick off, no pun intended, recapping week one of the NFL, and we have to break down our locks and leaps games that we picked specifically for the podcast. So, Pad, you are a reigning defending champion. Mm-hmm. Why don't you kick us off?
1: Uh, yeah, so I was going to start with my lock. Uh, I chose the Baltimore Ravens to defeat the Cleveland Browns, who uh, were a eight-point favorite, and holy crap did they cover, and then some, uh, winning by the final score of 38-6. to uh, Lamar Jackson passing uh, 20 of 25 for 275 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, Baker Mayfield, 21 of 39 for 189 yards, one touchdown, one interception, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and then on the ground, Lamar Jackson had seven carries for 45 yards.
0: Coach, your takeaway?
1: My takeaway is that Cleveland is stinky poo-poo. <laughs>
0: Fair enough. Dirty, stinky
2: poo-poo. Dude, it's just on your chest almost. Uh, no, they're just a bad football team. I, I can't believe – I mean, they didn't even show up. This is an in-division, in-division rival mm-hmm. that you would at least expect like a team to get up for, yeah. and they just no-showed. Oh yeah, And now we have a – Garbage of a game coming up on Thursday. Yeah. Cincinnati versus Cleveland. I mean, I feel bad for Fox because Fox is trying their best to hype it up as much as they can. Oh, yeah. And there's just nothing to hype up. I mean, I don't know what Cleveland's deal is. I mean, well, I know what the deal is. You went out and you got a head coach that was a, you know, non uh had no prior head coaching experience got the, his shells knocked off in the uh, Super Bowl as an offensive coordinator, and now you stick him as the head coach without any prior head coaching experience. Again, you should have gone out, you should have landed some sort of former head coach with some experience, a la Mike McCarthy, mm-hmm. you know, even though Dallas didn't have a great performance either against the Rams, but that's for another day. You know, right. I mean, Jason Garrett was out there. You know, again, just somebody with some sort of head coaching experience because – it just this team should be better. They oh, yeah. should be better. I mean, mm-hmm. you have two solid running backs. You have two really good wide receivers. Yeah. You have a really good tight end. And I'm I still am not convinced that Baker Mayfield is a bad quarterback. He is a very serviceable quarterback that can get the job done. Yeah. And then defensively, you have one of the best cover corners in all of the NFL. You have the uh, uh, resurgence in Olivier Vernon, mm-hmm. who you know had a great year last year, especially once uh, the suspension happened, uh, and he was the sole you know uh, pass rusher that they really had. And you have a decent set of linebackers. So it's like, what what is going on? Yeah. And, and the only answer is head coach. And I mean, Baltimore on the flip side of it, my God. I mean, yeah. this might be the complete package. I mean, this is with cutting, uh, you know, uh, the safety a week before the preseason. Earl yeah, real time, Right before, you know, week one. Mm-hmm. So everybody thought, oh, there's going to be, you know, defensively, there's going to be a little bit of a lapse. Not so much. Uh, I no. mean, they came out, and, you know, what made me the angriest was, you know, here I pick Evan Ingram, mm-hmm. you know, in our fantasy draft. And I'm thinking, all right, Ingram, they're going to run the ball heavy. No, they went with J.K. Dobbins, which is what I should have expected considering that he had two touchdowns and ran the ball just like he did at Ohio State
1: yeah, with violence. Yeah. I mean, you brought up the Cleveland run game Uh, for Kareem Hunt's 13 carries for 72 yards, Nick Chubb 10 carries for 60 yards, and then there was really nothing going on in the – in the receiving game, either Jarvis Landry, five catches for 61 yards. Uh, David Njoku, three catches for 50 yards. Odell Beckham Jr., three catches for 22 yards. But the one thing that's kind of jumping out to me is uh, uh, the fumbles. Uh, You had three fumbles uh, from Cleveland, one from Chubb, one from a gentleman named Jamie Gillian, uh, and then one from Kareem Hunt. Uh, That's not good.
0: It's definitely not good. The one takeaway I took from this game is Cleveland, for all their offensive talent, Cannot put it together, and this does fall like coach. I agree with you; it falls on their head coach. What I can't figure out for the life of me is you have all this first round talent, mm-hmm. and yet you are producing eighth round results. And I know there's not seven, or there's not an eighth round in the draft, but it's that bad. Yeah, that Baker Mayfield is making mistakes that he shouldn't be making in his third year. No, I know that there was a uh, one of his interceptions was just completely horrific. Yeah, and. There's no way that he should be making these kind of hiccups. I understand that he's gone through different coaches, so I'm willing to cut some slack. But at the same time...
1: He, it's a it's his third year. It's the third year, so when does this turn around? Does it turn around? I don't think so. I mean, the other thing I'm looking at that doesn't help is their kicking game. I mean, their kicker missed one field the one field goal they attempt and then missed the one extra point they attempt. Yeah. Which yeah. is, is going to hurt you.
2: Yeah, I mean... I obviously some of the uh, of this falls on, you know, a uh, baker and yeah, all right, an interception happens, but I think in in today's NFL, given the pass friendly, you know, pass heavy offense that a lot of teams run, I feel like turnovers are almost not necessarily part of the game plan but expected a little bit yeah. from a coaching staff. So I mean, you almost Have to you know rely on your defense a little bit to get a stop, and I mean, 38 points is not getting a stop. I mean, Lamar Jackson was all over the field, dominating every way. Mark Andrews was open all day long. Uh, I wish Hollywood Brown would have gotten a few more looks, but that's my own selfishness that you know I would have wished that that happened, but you know. Um, at the end of the day, though, I mean, they're just outclassed. And, again, you know, now they go into Thursday in almost what I would feel like is a must-win situa- uh,
1: situation oh, it has to be
2: against a Cincinnati team yeah. that didn't necessarily look terrible going against Los Angeles.
1: No, I mean, there was really nothing going from Cleveland's defense. I mean, they, uh, Baltimore got 23 first downs. 16 of them were from passing. Seven more from rushing. Zero from penalties. Uh, and then on third down efficiency, uh, Baltimore was 6 of 11, which is not good. If you're any defense giving up sixth third down you know conversions is not good.
0: Well, it just falls back to the players need to make plays, and they're not doing it. So no. where is the disconnect? Because Cleveland, for all the talent that they had before uh, John Dorsey left as GM, yep, they were ready to go. This should have been the team that should be the talk of the AFC. Right. Oh, mm-hmm. This should be your Kansas City Chiefs. They're not, yeah. And I'm really skeptical to see what we get out of them because for them debuting, and I understand Baltimore is a, is a great team. I will not say that they didn't. Sure, they went out there and they implemented everything with Mark Ingram running the ball, and he wasn't even the major star. I mean, J.K. Dobbins had the big game. Yeah, Lamar Jackson. Thanks for reminding me. Is that triple threat? And no, but even just taking a look at the rest of their stat line, they played a balanced game on both sides of the ball, and they executed better. I'll tell you the biggest difference right now between besides
2: Patrick Mahomes for Kansas City. And um, and it's Cleveland it's head coach, yeah, yeah. Andy Reid is a position of not necessarily control, but a position of sturdiness and riding the ship that you know a captain would do or a head coach would do. S- Cleveland doesn't have that. Yeah. it's just hilter. Telt- it's helter skelter. It's rocky boat. You know, and yeah. nobody there to help guide it and bring it back to not choppy waters.
1: Yeah. I think another. I think one of the issues is it, just looking at some stats and, and some personnel. I don't think it's necessarily the front seven, front whatever the end number no. being, Because you look at the stats. Okay, uh, Baltimore had 107 yards rushing uh, on 30 attempts, so that figures out to be 3.6 yards per rush. Okay, not not great, not bad. Right. But then on the flip side, passing. Uh, Baltimore had 270 yards passing and for yards per pass, 9.6 yards per pass.
2: Yeah, and I mean, like I said, they have one good cover corner, and obviously. Obviously the other positions are a little shaky, yeah. but still though, I mean, that's where it comes to, you know, Lamar Jackson, you got to be able to pass rush, yeah. Yeah. you know, so that is a little bit of front seven. And yeah. I mean, uh, the the, uh, Garrett and you know, the front seven were a little quiet miles My, Garrett and we're, they were they a little were quiet,
0: extremely quiet, you know and yeah. I mean?
2: Uh, when and you know back to the talent level I mean if you like just put paper to paper and you look at the names and the level of star power that Cleveland has up against any roster that's where it's like what is going on you know and I mean that's where you have to say all right you know what's the one thing that every other team that is up in the upper echelon have that they don't you know it's, it's sturdiness at the head coaching position it's it's the rock at the head coaching position and Obviously yeah Baltimore's a very good team so this is a very tough metric to mm-hmm. gauge yeah. you know Cleveland up, up against when you have to go with no preseason an impromptu mm-hmm. uh, training camp yeah. or an abbreviated training camp I should say and then boom you know especially with a head coach because I mean if you look at the the teams and the stats and the numbers teams that had new head coaches sure. had a very difficult time week one sure. because oh, of the fact sure. that of this sure. Uh, you know, COVID training camp. So when you break it down and everything and then you see the fact that they had to play against Baltimore, a team that's been together the entire year or, you know, the last two years with a head coach that's coming back, a quarterback coming back, all these position players coming back, chances you are you're going to lose, you yeah. know, and that's why they covered and, Pad, you yeah. look brilliant right now.
0: It, you know, it all factors into where Cleveland's identity is going to be. The head coach is the face of the the business side, so to speak. Yeah. On the playing side, it's the quarterback. Yeah. Obviously, there's a big disconnect. They need to fix this Thursday. There is no room for error. If they lose to Cincinnati, it's a wrap. It's, a, it's, long, um, oh,
2: it's a I mean, their schedule the rest of the way yeah. is not good. I mean, you still obviously not even looking at it right now while um, Pat's well, trying to pull it up. Um, yeah. yeah,
1: I got it up. So, they got, like Coach mentioned, they have Cincinnati uh, this coming Thursday. Then they play Washington, Dallas, Indianapolis, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Vegas uh, by week in week nine, Houston, Philly, Jacksonville, Tennessee, Baltimore, the Giants, Jets, and Pittsburgh. It's going to be I a mean, wrap if they don't win
0: Thursday. It's over. I'm, I know it's the way early prediction, well, but show me something. I mean, so let's talk about, you know,
2: just the next game after Cincinnati. So let's look ahead a little bit. Washington, not a bad football team. No. no. You know, I mean, that defense looked very, very good. I mean, obviously, Philly's yeah. offensive line is... Very, very bad, yeah, but yeah. they gave Wentz a hell of a run. I'll
1: say a week, week and a half ago, I would have told you, oh, yeah, that's an easy win for Cleveland. I uh, might be changing my tune here. Yeah,
2: you would have thought, all right, they're going to be 1-1, one and one, but mm-hmm. now you're like, oh, might be looking at 0-2, and, and 3 yeah. possibly.
0: They're going to need to figure something out, and they have to do it in a hurry because the disconnect is completely evident. They have to hit the emergency button, hit the reset, whatever you need to do, get it right by Thursday. As for Baltimore, they look like the Super Bowl contenders we all keep talking about. Mm -hmm. And they got a big test coming up next week against Houston. And Houston did not impress me on Thursday night. Not at all. I'm I'm not saying Baltimore is going to steamroll them, but that's another team that they need to do something really quick. Because the loss of DeAndre Hopkins is way evident. Mm -hmm. But... We gotta get to more of the game. So Pad.
1: Yeah, uh, looking at mine and also this was Coach's leap. Uh, hey, we picked the Tennessee Titans to beat the Denver Broncos. I forget what the point spread on this one was. It was. One and a half. Okay, thank you. Uh and Tennessee ended up winning by the final score of sixteen to fourteen. Uh Ryan Tannehill, twenty nine of forty three for two hundred and forty nine yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh Drew Locke, twenty two of thirty three for two hundred and sixteen yards passing, one touchdown, uh no interceptions. Derrick Henry, uh, thirty one carries for a hundred 16 yards uh zero touchdowns uh and then melvin gordon making his denver debut uh 15 carries for 78 yards and one touchdown i also want to thank derrick henry uh for winning both of my fantasy football games one for getting me enough points to beat my opponent the other one for not getting enough points to beat me it was a, it was a <laughs> weird scenario there yeah might, that is be, that's a hell of a playoff. out
0: there right might there. be like a weird patriots jersey getting made for derrick henry this season if pad wins the chips maybe We'll have to kind of see about that. Anyway, Coach, your breakdown.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously Tennessee came out and, I mean, didn't exactly. I mean, still ran the ball 31 times, but, you know, having Tannehill throw for 43 is not exactly the no, no. M.O. of last season. I mean. we we'll say and, uh,
1: Vrabel lied with his mask on there.
2: <laughs> and, I'm you know, it kind of just goes back to that argument that I had with that Tennessee fan on Twitter. I mean, Tannehill obviously had a very good performance. 29 of 43, you definitely would not have predicted going into this game that he would A, have, thrown 43 times, and if you did, you definitely wouldn't have thought that they completed 29 of them. Right.
1: Well, But but looking back, we should have seen it coming, at least not, not 43 and not that successful, because I think Denver would have looked at the last two games Tennessee played and just how much Derrick Henry ran over everybody, and their game plan was, without again, not having seen the game because it was on late uh, here in the East Coast, You know their game plan was probably all right. Let's just stack the box and try and beat us.
0: Well, it was a smart game plan to try. Yeah, but Derrick Henry, hey, he hung on and he just really punched them through.
1: Well, I mean that's
2: what they're going to do.
0: They're going to, I mean, they're still going to run him regardless of whether Tannehill throws
2: seventy times a game. There's, he's still going to have. 25-plus touches a game, period, because uh-huh. that is their identity. Yeah. yeah. So if he's only getting – I mean, you got to think about it. If he's only averaging 3.7 yards per carry, which is not what he was averaging last year, which nope. I believe was over four, I think it was like 4.6, 4.7. Like, yeah, 4.7 you know, range. You, you talk about that, that means obviously that there might have been a first and ten situation where he's only getting a yard, maybe two at most, and now you're looking at a second long, and instead of running it like they would have last year – They're throwing that ball now.
1: Last year he averaged 5.1 yards. Oh, even better. I mean, so yeah. So if he's
2: averaging 5.1, then you're running again on second down. But if he's only getting 3.7, which is still a second and long situation when you talk about second and seven, Mm -hmm. they're probably not running it again. They're throwing it. So, again, you know, Tannehill obviously getting more work, trusting the wide receivers a little bit more. I mean, this Denver team – is not a bad team. And oh. obviously, with the loss to Von Miller yeah. the day before the game, yeah. you know, I mean, that's a tough blow to this defense that really leaned on him as their captain. So uh, obviously, their identity defensively is going to change a little bit. And when you talk about the offense, I mean, Drew Locke. Had a very nice game, 216 yards. You know, Jerry Judy picked up some yards too. So obviously they're going to be looking to him and Noah Font, you know, also had a good game. So Denver offensively is going to be fine. It's going to be the defense that needs to kind of bounce back here a little bit and, um, you know, start to take some shape. And Tennessee is going to be fine. You know, it's, and if Tannehill is throwing 43 times, that's now teams are going to have to prepare for that more so than they did last year, which is going to cause a lot of problems defensively for some teams.
1: Yeah, no, I know. Denver, you know, they should be very proud of this game because, like like Coach mentioned, the loss of Von Miller was huge, and I, and I was ready to write them off for the year. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, they ain't going to go nowhere. But the fact that they held it against Tennessee, who was a very good team, you know, at the end of last year, and then was, was able to keep the score close. I mean – you know, and obviously they'll figure out who's going to lead that team defensively. Every good team does. I mean, Christ, look at the Patriots and how many times they've lost captains on the defense and somebody steps up. The one concern I just have for them is receiving because okay, they got a they got a pretty decent running game with uh, Melvin Gordon there, you know, doing things. Whether he'll have any sort of resurgence, I guess you could say we'll see. Mm-hmm. But when you're leading receivers, your tight end, okay, you got some good pieces, but it, it almost. Makes me think, yeah, maybe you should look at if, if something doesn't improve or you might need to make some changes, going out there, getting maybe not like a huge name, but somebody who's like, all right, it's that's a, that's a decent receiver.
0: Well, you have to kind of take in perspective, too, that they're in the rebuilding mode. True. With Drew Locke, and True. I know in going in and get Jerry Judy in the draft, you have to give them time to go. True. Noah Font, I believe second-year player. So they have that young core, and obviously if it's a young quarterback, they're going to rely heavy on their tight end. That's just history. So for Denver to stay as close as they did, I think is a win. Well, Noah Font
2: too is a is a hybrid tight end. You know, right. he's not that traditional tight end. So True. they're going to he's he's in that court category of a Kelsey, um, you know, or uh, the guy out of Kittle Kittle, yeah. He's in that type of conversation with a guy who can be a pass-catching tight end. So, yeah. he, if him leading them in rece- receptions does not surprise me, but it's not going to last because eventually Jerry Judy is going to take over that role.
1: It also helps for Denver when Goskowski has a terrible night. Missed, <laughs> I missed, was going to ask you about that. Missed three field goals and then missed an extra point. Yeah, brutal. Good lord. Unheard of. Uh, first time in his career.
0: That was just insane to read. And, and now, if
1: I'm not mistaken, he's coming off of, what was it, a hip? Yeah, injury. he was out all year last yeah, year. I mean, most of the last year. He was coming off some sort of injury. Yeah, New England
0: brought in like 17 different kickers last year. Yeah, yeah before they late. settled on Folk, I think. Yeah, I it, it was some wild stat to, to go with, but Gakowski never misses. And otherwise, this game could have been a lot bigger. So I think for Denver, they have to take away that yeah. they hung in there. And for Tennessee, I think the takeaway mm-hmm. I took you is look good. they look good. And you're not one-dimensional. and Yeah, they look balanced. Like Vrabel's coaching decisions about this to let Tannehill – throw more i uh-huh. thought was interesting yeah. like i was sitting there watching the game and i was like derrick henry's not getting the ball every time but they balanced them out enough that you had your other receivers finally involved like Corey davis who had 101 yards right that's what you need if you're going yeah. to make a run so yeah. tennessee look balanced, minus the field goals because hey when they needed it got came through at the end yep so i you can't really fault him on that no so i guess i Takeaways are Both a win and different perspectives for this one.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, and they'll definitely get some tests here coming up. Uh, they play Jacksonville next week before going on to play Minnesota and Pittsburgh.
0: Speaking of Jacksonville,
1: hmm. Coach? Segue. Yeah, so
2: I had as my lock the Indianapolis Colts going against the Jacksonville Jaguars claiming that it was going to be low-hanging fruit, and, well, it wasn't, and I did not reach it because Jacksonville beat Indianapolis 27-20. to Yeah.
1: yeah. Good lord, uh, Philip Rivers, thirty six of forty six for three hundred and sixty three yards passing, uh, one touchdown, two interceptions. Uh, Gardner Minshew, nineteen of twenty for one hundred and seventy three yards passing, three touchdowns, no interceptions.
2: Backbreaking interception, too, for Phil Rivers. Yeah, that I mean, the, the Colts should be embarrassed. Period. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, 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 mean, I,
1: I am friends on Twitter with a, a friend who's a Indianapolis Colts fan, and he was fuming. I mean, listen,
2: I understand that. Y- Jacksonville, obviously, uh, team down on their luck, playing with house money. Uh, you know, everybody's against us. Everybody's writing us off. Well, you know, they've got that whole narrative that they can, you know, use. But still, you know, the Colts went out, spent money on Phil Rivers to be the starting quarterback, to bring him in to try and lead them. Mm-hmm. You know, if not to a championship, to at least you know a division championship and you know
1: a playoff berth and. Here they are. Something other than a participation banner they have hanging in their uh, stadium.
2: Yeah, here they are coming out, a game against Jacksonville, and you lose. And you lose by your quarterback throwing a crushing interception. So, you know, obviously um, losing Marlon Mack is not going to help anything. No. You know, for the foreseeable future. No. But, I mean, my God, defensively, you got to show up. You can't let Gunnar Minshew go Mm -hmm. (laughs) 19-20. I mean, my God. And I then mean, then, I know he's only thrown for a hundred, you know, one hundred and seventy-three yards, so he's not exactly slinging the rock. And this is well still,
1: and this is while getting sacked four times.
2: Yeah, I mean, this that's brutal. That's a bad performance. The, the Colts definitely should be embarrassed. I would be if I'm a Colts fan. I would be frustrated. Um, oh, I'd be pissed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, regardless of whether you know you thought this team was Super Bowl caliber or not, you can't come out and put up a stud, uh, a dud of a performance on week one.
0: Yeah, you can't. This was just an abysmal performance for the Colts. Phillip Rivers, you'd figure, would play better. Sure. Yeah, that's why you brought him in. Yeah, still throwing for 46 times and getting 363 yards. That's still a good stat, but your interceptions are going to kill you. Your running game was non-existent. Yeah. I mean, this almost looked like Arizona for a second. just Your top running back was Naheem Hines, who had 28 yards. On seven carries. On seven carries. So how is that a win? Like I understand Marlon Mack got hurt, and I get that, but – to be that one-dimensional and to let a Jacksonville team, to, let's face it, can you honestly name five Jacksonville Jaguars right now other than Minshew? Nope, nope. So you basically got beat by the team from the longest yard. Like I just, I don't even know who these people are, and they they just completely steamrolled
1: you. So what you're saying is it's Brucey's time to shine? Yes, it is. Goddamn right. Oh, well, I
0: mean that's why you know you have the narrative here
2: of them. You know we're our uh, backs up p- p- against the wall. You nobody thinks we're gonna do anything, and here you go, you come out and you steal one from the Colts. Yeah, it's a big But that's st- to be expected. It's a division
1: game. Uh, division opponents get up against each other. Well,
0: that's what we thought when yeah. until Cleveland didn't do it. So uh, that's well, true. It, it, I true. Mean, d- nine out of ten times they do. I mean right. but, but in this case, and I even said this on last week's show. I said Jacksonville has this weird you chemistry did. against Indianapolis. That's I can't why I didn't go near it. I can't explain I about it. it. But every time when Jacksonville is the worst team in the football, they wind up beating the Colts, I, and it doesn't matter how stacked the Colts team is. I just,
2: they I, just do. I thought Phillip Rivers was going to be able to lead them to a performance. I also thought this defense was going to be a little bit better. Sure. That is obviously not the case.
1: Well, I think it's like you said with with you said head coaches, but I think the same can also be said for new quarterbacks or new position players. Yeah, you know, obviously they had some semblance of practice with you know the receivers and what have you, but that only that's like you know getting ready for a fight in UFC. It only gets you so far. You know, it's not game situations, even if it's preseason where, let's face it, people might be quarter-assing it, not even half-assing it. Yeah. You know, Phillip Rivers, new offense, new receivers, new line. Can you chalk it up to maybe just, hey, situation is what it is and just didn't get a normal preseason? Maybe.
0: You might be able to use that excuse, but I think for being a veteran quarterback like Rivers is and the pedigree he has. He's not a journeyman. No. He's had playoff experience. I mean, hell, he almost got to the Super Bowl a couple times. Almost. Yeah. He should be able to lead that team and do a better performance. And it all really kind of relies on him. Yeah, The fact that they didn't do this and they got defeated by like a team of no names. And that's honestly the way you can describe Jacksonville. I mm-hmm. mean, using whatever reference you want, but they rallied together and found a way to win and punch a division rival right in the mouth. You have to be ecstatic of your Jacksonville. If Indianapolis, you're staring at the scoreboard going, what just happened? Yeah. And then going into next week, you have to make some changes. I'm not saying the season is done like Cleveland. If they lose next week, But Indianapolis needs to do something and something fast.
1: Uh Because they're playing Minnesota next week.
0: Yeah, and that's going to be a tough matchup. Mm -hmm. They're coming off a bad loss to Green Bay. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers, still the baddest man in football. This is (laughs) true. Which that performance we'll get to a little bit. But Seriously. I say I will just go right to my picks then. I mean, obviously it was kind of a crazy thing. But looking at quarterbacks, my lock – Stepped up third year in the league and was very impressive against a truly abysmal team. But, Pad, you got that sad line?
1: Yeah, so uh, he you took the Buffalo Bills to defeat the New York Jets, which they did by the final score of 27-17. to 17. Uh, Josh Allen, 33 of 46 for 312 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, Sam Darnold, 21 of 35 for 215 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception.
0: Coach, your thoughts.
1: The Jets are fucking embarrassing.
0: Yeah, they're bad. Like
2: I don't want to take anything away from the Bills because they put on a hell of a game, and I know the Jets, you know, came on a little bit late and you know scored a couple, you know, scored a touchdown. But my God, they're bad. That that defense, holy hell. Yeah. It is pathetic. They're I mean, bad. I'm sitting here trying to watch I mean, the early slate of games if you are the Northeast like we were mm-hmm. was tough. It was rough. Tough because it was Washington and Philly or this game. And I mean, I know you Buffalo fans, you were really excited to be on television and I 100% understand. I'm not but, taking this as a negative. But as call. a Giants fan, Having And that's besides the point. But having to be forced to only select from these two games was brutal because Buffalo in that first half was taking it to them so hard. And I know the Philly game was the same way. Philly was absolutely taking it to Washington. I know Washington came back and flipped the script a little bit. But, my God, their defense in the red zone was atrocious. Mm -hmm. Buffalo was just having their way with them the entire time now Josh Allen had those that a couple fumbles that were not so good
1: no but outside of that flawless yeah pad no yeah the, the jets just look awful i mean i was uh, out watching some of the game early games with ken and what was the one step? like before halftime they had, the jets had one first down one first
0: down in the entire first the half the entire
1: first half i mean you you just look at you know they they had absolutely nothing going frank or six carries 24 yards no touchdowns uh, that was their leading res- uh, rusher, leading receiver, Jamison Crowder, probably the lone bright spot of the entire game for them. Seven catches, 115 yards, one touchdown. I mean, it was really bad for them. Like, But I think the one telling part was during the game, I believe it was whoever was on the sideline for CBS when they had talked to uh, Adam Gase, and, the, and he basically said that like the two most in-shape guys on the team were Le'Veon Bell, who, according to Bell, he's like in the best shape he's been in seasons, and then Frank Gore, who's 37 years old. It's not a good look.
0: It's not a good look any way you want to shape it for the Jets. I'm sorry. I'm not saying this as a Bills fan. I'm saying this as a football fan. Your team is atrocious. Mm-hmm. There is no kind of dynamic on either side of the ball. Your defense has not recovered from the loss of Jamal Adams leaving, and it showed. There was no sense of establishing your will, if you really want to use that term. It was atrocious to sit there and watch the Bills completely look like the Kansas City Chiefs running all over you.
1: I'll say the Bills doubled the uh, Jets' time of possession. The Bills had 41 minutes and 16 seconds on the clock. Uh, The Jets, by contrast, had 18 minutes and 44 seconds. They also almost doubled them in place. Bills, 81 total plays for the game. Jets, 53.
0: And if the Bills were more careful with the ball, they probably would have put a 40. Oh, easily. And their sleep. I'm taking nothing away from Josh Allen's performance, though. Throwing for over 300 yards for the first time since 2016 is a huge win for them. Uh-huh. When he's your leading rusher, though, that does yeah alert me a little bit. Yeah, because obviously he didn't
1: he say he's going to run less this year.
0: Yeah, he's supposed to run less, and yet he had more carries than Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. So that being said, I am a little concerned about that. Plus, how he was handling the ball when he's running. He's but, still making the mistakes of holding it out like a frisbee.
2: I mean, those rushes though were more dictated by how badly the Jets secondary was played. Oh, yeah, they gave it to him. No, because, I... yeah, I mean they I mean they ran they threw heavy because oh, yeah. I mean, I would too if you were completing every single pass you threw. Yeah. You know, and I mean obviously what leads to that is, you know, maybe a QB pressure where people are, you know, you're flushed out of the pocket and Josh Allen's first you know, resource right now isn't necessarily looking downfield, mm-hmm. but, you know, taking it off, which isn't a bad thing when you have nobody covering the middle. You know, if there's not a spy, you should do that, you know. So uh, you saw the Jets do that a lot. They drop back into man. Nobody's sitting there watching the quarterback and his first instinct to run. And the other thing that predicates off
0: of that is QB draws. Oh, no, I, oh, I, yeah. I'll give you that. Just his running style still scares me. Well, yeah, he's, sure, he's I get reckless that. reckless is all hell and he needs to be better holding the ball and that's you know why what? i say i understand we're we're getting yards and we're getting points which i'm not mad about but when we stop that's when it's going to be time to say okay how can you adapt
2: right right and i mean eventually you're going to run into a better defense that is going to have a spy or they are going to try and QB contain and they're not going to exactly let him get out of the pocket and that's going to be the, the problem. You know, can he hang in the, tight in the pocket with pressure coming at him and deliver the ball?
0: Yeah, that's going to be the question we need to answer, though. I will say I did like the uh, connections he was having with Diggs and Brown. That yeah. looked great. Yeah. They looked yeah. great. And, I mean,
2: Diggs early on, though, I kind of forgot he was there. I was looking for him, looking for him, looking
0: for him. They weren't using him, and then all of a sudden, well, you know, they started linking up. Well, the issue was Josh was running so much that they were double-teaming him, and then once they stopped, he, he adapted and started throwing to him. Yeah. So they played a smart Style football. I, I will admit, though, the only takeaways I would say that they need to be better with Josh running the ball mm-hmm. and they need to not take their foot off the gas. Sure. Which yeah. they did that third quarter. And when their kicker was missing field goals, yikes. That it, didn't yeah. help. Yeah. Which is what it is. Yeah you gave the jets momentum to get back in and it took them a couple series uh-huh. to get going again to play shutdown
1: football yeah there definitely was a, d- a different feel to it uh, yeah. coming out of the locker room yeah
0: coming out of the locker room i think they already thought they won and they just and that's a young team that oh, the yeah. coaching staff yeah. needs to say hey it's not done yet yeah
2: i mean again last year you know flip let's flip a year back yep. you know this was the opposite the jets were dominating the bills had to come back to make you know push the game and and win it ultimately i mean so now bills are in a position of you know they're being dubbed the AFC champions or the AFC East champions, so they're kind of in a different position. You know, everybody's hunting them, so they've got to be able to adjust that. You know, in the second half, not to be complacent and to come out and have that you know killer instinct and, and mm-hmm. you know finish it instead of just letting teams back in the in the game.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's gonna be something they're gonna need to work on next week against Miami. But I like their chances there. And for the Jets, they have to host the 49ers. Good luck with that one. Uh
2: Especially with how they played. Yes.
0: But the game of the week, and we're talking about players and how they came out opening week, Tom Brady and Mm -hmm. the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were my leap. Mm -hmm. And they did not deliver. They wound up losing, I would say, the game of the week per se. You yeah. can you can have a debate about it against New Orleans, pad. You got the stats up?
1: Yeah, so New Orleans ended up winning uh by the final score of thirty four to twenty three. Drew Brees, eighteen of thirty for hundred and sixty yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh Tom Brady, twenty three of thirty six for two hundred and thirty nine yards passing, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Coach.
2: Dude, here I was thinking you picked the Giants. I was <sighs> I was getting ready to cut my promo here, so I guess I'm gonna have to sit back on just one on more that for one more can... yeah, for one more thing. Um. Yeah, I, I. I don't even know where to start with this game because I mean New Orleans did not look crisp at all. No, I mean defensively they looked better. You know, yeah. as the game went on. Yeah. But offensively, you know, there weird offensive flow to this team. I mean, I, I, the use of Alvin Kamara early was kind of off, and then later on they eventually found him. Um, Drew Brees didn't look. Necessarily, Drew breeze esque yeah. early on. Yeah. I mean, obviously, once it started to settle down a little bit, um, he looked better. the The Michael Thomas injury is definitely going to hurt. I mean, there's mm-hmm. no timetable on his injury I, as we record. Right, the last right. I yeah. heard. Yeah. So, I mean, that's definitely going to hurt. Emmanuel yeah. Sanders was non-existent in this game, which is a problem moving forward. Um, defensively, they I thought they played great. And if you know, we switch it over to the Tampa Bay side, I you know. Tom Brady you know I mean Bruce or Aaron is calling him out yeah like what is that you know I mean who the fuck are you I understand like you want to you know uh probably show and establish like you are the head coach and and all this jazz and no player is different than the other but like even Belichick wouldn't do that you know like to that extent like Belichick would call you out in the media but not throw you under the bus to the point that Bruce did and That's not smart head coaching when you're talking about a a seasoned veteran who, you know, came to this team probably with the idea of, you know, building and and having some sort of rapport and being able to establish his kind of offense and not necessarily taking over, but a la Peyton Manning when he went over to Denver, you know, kind of sprinkling in some of the things that he's taken away from his uh, years and success at New England and, and helping you carry your team to the next level. and. Just the chemistry is definitely not there. No, and and Michael Evans and him uh, obviously got on the uh, better page later on. Um- his arm strength is going to be a problem. Yeah, because oh, yeah. I mean, you've got one of the fastest wide receivers in all of the NFL. Oh yeah, you've got to be able to throw the ball deeper than twenty five yards on a
1: post pattern. Well, that was one of the f- moments in the game where you know uh, I believe Aaron Andrews was on the sidelines, and and she talked one of the conversations she had with Brady was he was talking about oh if they're going to single cover or whatever coverage and that, and they're testing they they're telling me to throw deep I'll throw deep and I'm sitting there going. Mm. can you
2: really? can yeah will you
1: you're 41 years old you know respect the hell out of you. you you've got great accomplishments you're one of if not the greatest quarterback of all time but is the arm strength there anymore i mean yeah you can look at the stats from last year and no wide receivers and offensive line yada yada yeah, 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 yeah. but if the numbers come out the same this year maybe it wasn't the team maybe it's you i mean Yeah, for all the stories you heard about him having practices and get togethers with his quarterback, his receivers, and all that, it just goes to show that don't mean shit if you're not getting actual game time scenarios where a guy's trying to take your head off. Well, it's not
2: even just that, it's the fact that, you know, you're talking uh, practice speed versus game speed, Mm -hmm. you know. You got to be able to that Chris the one uh, deep pass to Chris Godwin was a post, so it's not the same distance as running that fly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that number one route, and I know that he did hit one in New England, which everybody was like, "Oh, you know, maybe the arm strength is there," but you never saw it again. Um, so he had you got to be able to th- stretch the ball. You have to be able to stretch it. you gotta go vertical. Mm-hmm. With these type of wide receivers, you cannot sit here and just
1: run the intermediate ten to twelve yard routes. You gotta throw one deep. And he doesn't have a Julian Edelman like receiver that can just run those short routes, run, sure. run those middle routes, and just get knocked the hell around. Not even just run those those short routes, it's run those short
2: routes with the crispness mm-hmm. that Edelman, Hogan, those guys did because yeah. Chris Godwin can run them oh, yeah. Mike Evans can run them, but they're deep. Guys. But it's, but not only just that, but they're not the, the beauty of Edelman and the thing that people don't realize is his efficiency at running those patterns and getting open. Mm-hmm. That is what makes him the elite wide receiver that he is in those short routes guys can't. Guys just don't develop that skill. I mean, you, you see burners and you see guys like that, you know, like an Odell Beckham and all those guys, but then when you ask them to run those intermediate slot routes, they can't do it because it's not in their repertoire, no. because there's a there's a, a, a ability to run those routes. And part of it is scheme. Obviously, you're going to have your rub routes, your picks, and all that garbage that help get, yeah. you know, an Edelman open, you know, when you talk about slot corners that might be able to uh, go speed for speed with them. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh, they just don't run them the same way that Edelman does, and there's also not the chemistry that he has with Edelman. So you talk about that, and then you look at the fact that they really ran the ball heavy early on and then got away with it as the game went on, which I think was a mistake. I think that given Brady's current situation, I think the play action in running the ball heavy is his best bet
1: moving forward. Yeah, and I I do got to give Tampa Bay a little bit of credit. Their defense kept them in this game because this game should have been a bigger blowout than it was. And you got to give credit to the Tampa Bay's defense on that. And one thing I just want to say to all the people online going, oh, this is the best team Brady's ever had. Motherfuckers. (laughs) I remember 2007 and 2008, Moss and Brady was like a goddamn video game. I remember very specifically, and apologies apologies to Tennessee fans, I remember the game in the snow in November in like 2010 where they put up four touchdowns in, in one half i one on a flea flicker that I can still picture in my head vividly. Yeah, it's a good team, but Brady has had good teams in the past.
0: Here's my takeaways from this. One, Bruce Arians is no Bill Belichick. No, nope. nope. And definitely was showing a little bit, if I may say, a Freddie Kitchen style of handling Tom yeah. Brady that I don't think is a good look. Yeah. Yeah. Which, d- just the, the call-out was wrong how he was handled. I don't know if it's because this team has a lot of high expectations And it just kind of failed because... It it came
1: off like a guy who got handed the keys to a fancy brand-new Lamborghini and all he's ever driven in his life are Ford uh, F-150s. Yeah,
0: this is just something that looked... He looked, in my opinion, out of water. And like I said, it looked, in my opinion, like when uh, Kitchens would kind of address the media. Yeah, it just... just, uh just, It looked so out of place
2: and just did not... I just I I'm sorry. Like I'm all for the you know, you know Parcells was big on that. You yeah. Know? And obviously Belichick is an extension of, of, oh, yeah. Be- of Parcells, tree. but I mean to, to, to directly point the finger at you know your veteran quarterback to try and what to try and show that you know nobody's above the team. You know this is my ship. I don't care that Tom Brady's here. It's still my team. Yeah. You know that just shows insecurity. Obviously, he has, you know, Jameis Winston and quarterbacks before that weren't at the caliber of an Eli, you know, of Eli, Jesus, of uh, Tom Brady. You know, so I mean, th- there might be a little bit of uh, you know, complex there when everybody, you know, even uh, Troy Aikman on the broadcast, you know, said that oh, this is going to be Tom Brady's offense and he's bringing in some of the things that he brought in from New England. And, and I know that I, you know, 10 seconds ago just said the same thing, but that's what you expect when you have a veteran quarterback. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you expect, you don't, you, you know, a guy of Tom Brady's caliber doesn't sign to your team and then you just say, okay, Here's my playbook. Learn it and this is what we're doing. No, no, no. You you know, he doesn't sign to that team. You know, obviously the conversation must have been, "All right, Tom, these are some of the things that I like to scheme. You know, where do you want to kind of implement, you know, some of the things that you've done over your years and let's kind of meet in the middle." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that obviously with what Bruce Arena said is not yeah. what no. was going
0: on. Yeah, it just definitely wasn't and for Tom Brady, father time caught up to him. Mm-hmm. I I'll, I'll say it right now. The zip on his ball was lacking. Yeah. He started out strong but faded quick in an interception that he was way behind mm-hmm. throwing. Let's
2: let's talk about that real quick because Janoris Jenkins was oh, nobody wants him. You know, yeah. the Giants cut him. Obviously it was, you know, a little bit, you know, there's a little bit of problems in the locker room or whatever, but you know, nobody wants him. Nobody's gonna trade for him. So the Giants just cut him. Yeah, well, look what he just did. Yeah. You know, he's playing great. Resurgence. Giants fans. Oh, he's done. He's washed up. Yeah, well, look what he's doing in New Orleans. He's yeah. picking off Tom Brady for pick six here. You know, I mean, he jumped that route. Now, oh, yeah. yes, the ball was behind and yeah. slow,
0: but Janoris Jenkins was sitting on that route ready to take the ball. He read that thing from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Facts. Mm-hmm. And for Brady to come out that ill prepared, and nice it sounds so weird to say, but let's it's facts. Yeah. So, to be that ill-prepared for his debut against a team that he knows damn well is his benchmark yep. in that division, yep. I'm saying is going to be a very long season. I don't know how exactly they can improve. They're going to need to turn it around quick. Yeah, I'm not saying the season is done a la Cleveland because I think the Tampa Bay is in better shape, but there are very big cracks to that armor that they need to find a way to fix mm-hmm. how arians is handling everything not good i don't like it and like i said the comparison i keep throwing back to is not a good one
2: i mean he's a obviously a veteran head coach that has done wonderful things you know with teams oh, in sure. the past i Absolutely. mean obviously yeah, he yeah. took a yeah. pretty bad arizona team and was able to turn them around you know do a, a title contender but at the same time it's like listen let's yeah. Pump the brakes a little bit here. It was game one with a new quarterback. You don't need to sit here and, and, you know, if anything in the media, just we need to play better and we just need to get a little bit more from the quarterback position.
3: Yeah, That's all you needed to say. Yeah. That's, all, that's, that all you need,
2: that's all you need yeah. to
0: say, and he didn't. And just how this is going to affect Tom Brady is going to be interesting. Now, Brady is a premier professional. Let's face it, he's in the GOAT conversation no matter who you talk to. Yeah, mm-hmm. but
2: let's face it, I mean – he obviously has, uh, not necessarily a personality complex of his own, but you can definitely tell there is a little bit of a, of a of a thing that he has. You mm-hmm. know, what I mean, obvi- him and mm-hmm. Belichick obviously did not get along the last couple of years in New no. England. No, and you know, I don't know if this is necessarily going to be
1: uh, something that he takes to spots change the personality doesn't exactly
0: yeah. so I don't know how he's gonna react to this I mean he'll be as professional as possible don't get sure that it. that will be correct yeah. But behind the scenes but behind the uh-huh. scenes this could turn ugly very quick mm-hmm. and unless they really start winning some games and establish all the hype this does remind me of that Cleveland team that was supposed to run away sure I just need to see some more out of Tampa Bay, but with Tom Brady, it looks like Father Time caught up, and this reminded me of when Peyton Manning's last season was in Denver. And
1: I'll say this: uh, for whatever issues behind the scenes that were had, and when he was in New England, how often did you hear about it? You never, never, heard never about about it. did because of the, the command and respect Belichick had in the, with that locker room. And, right, and Robert Kraft and everyone in that organization. The same cannot be said for Bruce Arians nope. and the Tampa Bay organization. So if the waters start getting a little shaky and then you know heated conversations start getting had, you will absolutely hear about it. Oh, it's coming out, yeah.
0: Oh, it'll get leaked out, and then it's going to turn ugly. So all the preseason hype is going to go up in smoke. Flipping it to the other side of the ball, New Orleans. Drew Brees looked old to me too. Yeah, not as bad. Yeah, but I, he he definitely looked like it, lo- it of looked in a it bit. looked
1: rusty if nothing else, and and it looked like, you know, just another case of you didn't have a proper preseason to get ready. Yeah, I mean, you're seeing it in Major League Baseball where they started the spring training, stopped, had a two-week spring training, and then all the pitchers came out and started getting shelled. You know, know? I mean, they played – overall,
2: the football was, I felt like – pretty solid quality it was solid yeah, but, but yeah there, i mean mistakes you could definitely yeah drew Brees looked a step behind sure, you know a little bit sure. slow i think there was maybe a little bit of, of hesitation given you know this tampa bay defense not really wanting
0: to give the ball back to the offense mm-hmm. so i get it yeah. you know yeah so it's gonna be something you are gonna have to work on for next week i know Pat, you got schedules up
1: yeah so tampa bay next week is taking on the carolina panthers and then uh the saints are taking on the raiders on monday night football
0: so some fun games to watch. So let's close out. Uh, maybe I do a quick around the end zone here uh-huh. with a uh, Coach. Any final shots for the week? I mean, uh, are we, do you want me to get into the
2: Giants, or do you want me to wait? You tell me what you want me to do. Hit us with it. All right. Well, I mean, the Giants obviously played Pittsburgh, and they lost by 10. Pat, I, Ken, I know that you had talked uh, taking the Giants. I saw Dog did take the Giants. Well, Dog, you should have listened to the show because I told you <laughs> not to do it. Uh, five points that I want to make here, you know. Uh, one, Joe Judge, his first head coaching performance, I thought was fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. You I know, agree. Jason Garrett, I thought they both called a very good game, uh, given the fact that you're going against one of the better defenses in all of the NFL. Point two is, you got to do something about that offensive line. I don't know how many times I'm going to say it. I'm so just going to be a broken a record. Years. I'm going to continue to say it until probably the day that I die. It will probably be on my tombstone. The Giants need to have a better offensive line. Uh number three, Saquon Barkley. Uh yeah. I feel terrible for you. I'm yeah. sorry that we have ruined your career. You deserve better, my man. I I cherish you. At, you know, in the beginning of the game, I was like, oh my God, you know, maybe he really isn't as great as he was. And then he caught that uh pass and then he did the hurdle and the spin. And I was like, Oh my god, there's Saquon Barkley again. I remember what this guy can do. So he's still there. You know, he just can't do anything. I had mentioned to some friends that I think they need to run some stretch plays. You know, uh, a la uh, the Denver Broncos back in the day when they used to run the stretch runs for Terrell Davis mm-hmm. because there's two things that that does. One, it takes pressure off of the offensive line to have to open up holes because they clearly can't. It's, God. it's very evident. Oh, God. Yeah. They, I mean, literally, they cannot block a soul. So instead of having to block an individual person, now you just push down the line. So let's say it's just stretch run right. You just... Lock down the line, and then wherever the hole opens, and point B of this is Saquon Barkley can be athletic and cut back to the hole mm. and boom, explode through it, and now he's open, you know? Because you could tell that when he was getting to the line, there's a lot of hesitation. Mm. There's a lot of, you know, to try and make a cut to get into an open lane, and that's not successful running for Saquon Barkley. He needs to be able to get into an open space and hit a hole running. Um, four, I was kind of surprised by how well the Giants defense played. Not going to lie, I thought they were going to be terrible defensively and they for the most part held um the Pittsburgh offense in check. Yeah. You know, obviously the 2-minute drive that's difficult on a defense. A lot of defenses have a tough time stopping them. So that's to be expected. So yeah, you know, I mean it's just it's a tough break. That touchdown really killed them and then uh 0.5 uh, if the Giants finish this season 2-14, and like I'm fearing that they're going to, and I will say this every week on the show until football season's over, if the Giants finish 2-14 and 14 and they do not select Trevor Lawrence, I am done with this goddamn team. You cannot tell me that Daniel Jones is the guy. I don't care. I've seen enough of it. I know that he has talent, and this might be a Drew Brees philip river situation where you're staring at you know a very good quarterback that you're high on and you've got a on a, a quarterback that you've drafted that you also you know thought was the guy move him on and bring in trevor lawrence because the talent level is too different trevor lawrence is too good of a quarterback not to pick fully agree yeah then that boom
1: oh and one more thing i told you all about chase claypool yes you did boom, boom.
0: Yeah, yes you did on monday Pat, any final thoughts on this week?
1: Yeah, just really happy with what I saw from Cam Newton. Uh, 15 of 19 for 155 yards passing uh, on the ground. 15 carries for 75 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Was the most rushing yards by a New England Patriots quarterback uh, since about, I believe, like the 80s or 70s or something like that.
2: And you should be thanking the
1: Chicago Bears. Yes. You know, so very happy with what he did. And, And it makes me a little more... Uh, excited for to see what uh, comes with the season Because I'm not going to lie I was a little skeptical A little nervous with the season Don't know what I was going to get But I liked what I saw Keep running them That's the, the
0: answer Yeah I, I'm sure the Patriots are Patriots look great from what I could see uh, Seattle looked great too this past weekend Sure Holy crap Yeah sure. It looked like the Super Bowl pick. I
2: can't believe I was wrong on Atlanta again You sons of bitches uh, You do it to me every year Every goddamn year I think you're back and you're
0: not. No, it's it's a wrap. I'm sorry.
2: Every year, every year, I'm like, oh, I'm going to buy the hype. Atlanta's going to go back. I think they're going to do it. You know, this is. I'm talking to my wife, who's number one in our in our little league, and I know we're going to talk about it in oh, our selection yeah. pool. And I was like, I, hey, you know, I'm picking Seattle, but honey, you know, Atlanta's back. Atlanta's back, baby. They're gonna re- they're gonna turn this around. Nope,
0: not even close.
2: Same fucking team, year on and year out. They blow the thing up. Just you know what. Forfeit the season. Just say, we're done. We're not going to play football the entire year. We're just going to start fresh next year. Change the name. Don't be the Atlanta Falcons anymore. Become the Atlanta football team and just start anew. you got to just tear the whole thing down. Build a new stadium. Just get rid of everything. <laughs> new colors, new arena, new owner, new everything. Just nothing is the same. You can't do it anymore. You. you the stink is too far deep. It's like the Seinfeld episode with the car, where the car is too stinky, and he has to sell the car. That's what Atlanta has to do: sell everything. Sorry, popcorn delivery guy, you're fired. The stink is on you.
0: At Coach Duffy eleven on Twitter.
2: I'm 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 not wrong. I'm no, not I, wrong no. in this. The the it runs too deep. The guys who sawed the field, you're out of here. Yep. It's on you, too.
0: I've been saying this for two seasons. I know,
2: and by God, I was wrong. You know what's going to end up happening, though? They're going to get hot, and they're going to finish 8-8 and and miss the playoff by a game. That's what's going to end up happening,
0: because that's what this goddamn team does every year. Because who is Atlanta? What is is Atlanta? Atlanta? That being said... Closing out Aaron Rodgers had a great weekend. Video event. game numbers. Video game numbers. Aaron Rodgers is angry. Yep. Uh-huh. And he played it too. Angry. Uh-huh. Even though Minnesota did give him a run for the money, thirty or forty-three to thirty-four was the final. Yep. Rodgers, three sixty-four and four touchdowns, zero interceptions. Yo. Aaron
2: yeah. a sca- an angry Aaron Rodgers is a scary Aaron Rodgers.
1: Devontae Adams, 14 catches for a buck fifty f- or excuse me, a buck fifty-six, two touchdowns. Good
2: God. And Minnesota's defense should be a little scared scared because uh-huh. you can't let, I mean, let's face it, Green Bay's offense is good, not great, and you let them run roughshod over you.
0: Yeah, if you're a Vikings fan, you got to be a little worried right now. Ooh. Yeah. That's my skull.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: that Can you do that one more time? Ooh. That's the skull. I think that's how we can easily describe week one <laughs> in the NFL, so hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag, ODPH. What was your takeaways from week one? Did you agree with our picks? Did you not? And let's have the discussion. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
4: Do you think you should go to jail if you throw a cookie at your girlfriend? Do you think it's cheating if an athlete fails a doping test, but the twist is only her boyfriend is juicing? Do you think 200 shots is too many to try to stop a robbery? What would you do if your parents burned $30,000 worth of your porn? Have you ever asked yourself this question? What the hell is wrong with Florida? or the Rum Runners podcast. We read the clickbait so you don't have to. We click those questionable links that pop up in your feed and let you know you want a new iPhone. Every week, we break down the weirdest and funniest of those articles. Find us on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, and just about anywhere you find podcasts. Video versions can be found on YouTube. Just search Rum Runners. That's R-U-M-R-U-N-N-A-S. We're also available on Twitter at Rumpod and Instagram and Facebook at Rum Runners. With new episodes dropping every Thursday at 12 p.m. Eastern. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating. Hey, this is Brian Wolf
2: from Fair City Fire. You are listening to ODPH, the greatest podcast in
3: painting. Woo!
0: Her Coming back for segment number two on this edition of the ODPH podcast. And now let's switch gears and talk a little NBA playoff action. Mm-hmm. Tonight, as we are recording, is a game seven that I didn't think any of us were expecting. No. Pat, who we got?
1: Uh, you have the Denver Nuggets taking on the LA Clippers. Game seven, series tied 3 3. Will Denver pull it out? Will the Clippers choke again?
0: This has been a mind-blowing series on every single level. Uh The Clippers should have been running away with this, Mm -hmm. and now they're on the brink of elimination, and arguably if they lose, it will be one of the worst losses and upsets in NBA history. Mm -hmm. Coach, what is your take?
2: Well, I've got a couple things here. One is uh, there was a a video that was posted uh, during the 2008-09 finals. Lakers versus the Celtics mm-hmm. in a game six, game seven situation and Phil Jackson has called a timeout. The team is down and he's telling them, hey, don't worry. It's the fourth quarter. The Celtics are going to slip. They always do. This is Doc Rivers' ML. They always come out strong, but they slip in the fourth corner. They will find a way to blow this game. That is Phil Jackson saying this. Mm-hmm. To a Lakers team, mind you, with The Mamba mentality, so you knew they were coming out ready to just wreck shit. All right. Now let's go to the actual stat. Phil Doc Rivers, 3 1 up uh, in a series with Orlando with Tracy McGrady, lose the series. Up 3 1 with the Boston Celtics in that very series against the Lakers, lose. 3 1 up with uh, Blake Griffin and Chris Paul, lose. Mm -hmm. Up 3 1 with Kalai Leonard and Paul George,
0: time Uh, will tell. uh, Yeah, but there's, there's, there's a trend. this is obviously going to have to be one of the most-watched games of the year for many reasons. You'd think. Because with all the hype that came in for the Clippers, and we can't stress this enough, mm-hmm. when Kawhi Leonard left Toronto yep, and sure. formed the super team with Paul George and company, the Clippers were the talk of the NBA. Oh, yeah. And well, I mean, every, yeah, everybody, Kawhi Leonard is the best player in the NBA currently. The exactly. Best. There, there, Overall there was, there player, was, there all There some
1: rumblings that they might have supplanted the Lakers as L.A.'s favorite team.
0: Exactly. So... For them not to be running rough shot over uh-huh. a Denver Nugget team led by Nikolai Jokic, who oh, is oh
2: Jamal Murray and Jamal Murray. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Let's give. I but, mean, this is the man that has strapped them to this back.
0: Well, he's definitely stepped up. But Jokic has definitely taken. He's this played series, well this series. This yes, series. That's this is I'm true. With. So between those two, they're given the Clippers fits, and for a team that is so defensively sound, yeah, as the Clippers,
1: yeah. They're looking like the Clippers of old in this one. Well, and that's one thing I wanted to bring up is I think we had conversations both on air and off getting ready for this NBA season, just looking at what potentially could be their starting five going – good luck scoring a basket on these yeah, guys because, yeah. holy crap, that's good defensively. Yeah, Pep yeah.
2: Beverly, Paul George, yeah, Leonard, yeah. you know, whoever they were starting at the four, and then Zubach. Yeah, everybody yeah. thought, oh, man, this is going to be tough to score. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess the thing that Denver's doing and the ability that they have is Jamal Murray just can finish. Yeah. You know, I mean, and he literally, I mean – I, I I can't compare it to anything other than, like, Dame Lillard, mm-hmm. you know, just with the ability to get sure. open, sure. make baskets, you know, shoot over guys. I mean, they have thrown Pat Beverly at him. They've thrown Paul George at him. Kawhi has covered him. I mean, you're talking about three of arguably the best defensive players in all of the NBA currently and they've thrown Jamal they've thrown him them at Jamal Murray and he's still scoring.
1: Rumors, yep. rumors on Twitter say uh that the Clippers are going to employ the kitchen sink on Jamal Murray tonight. <laughs> and, you
2: need to do something. Yeah, and then when you talk about the fact that Jokic played so well in game 6
1: mm-hmm. and
2: I mean Michael Porter Jr came up so big in game 5, it's like they have these heroes that are coming up in these stretches of games sure. that you know, all right, all the eyes are on, you know, Jamal Murray and yeah, he's still going to put up 30 but then all of a sudden you got one of those two coming up sneaking up from behind you and scoring you know and this is with all and Paul Millsap has been non-existent mm-hmm. so i mean you're literally talking about a second year player in Porter Jr who is technically on his rookie year you've got Jokic who you know is not necessarily an afterthought but has not played well prior to game 6 mm-hmm. um you know a little bit in game 5 mostly game 6 and now they're taking over these games it's like all the momentum right now is And again, it comes down to all the momentum is on Denver's side. All the pressure in the world is on the Clippers' side. So Denver's playing with house money. And when a team
1: is
0: playing with house money, it is very, very dangerous. I fully agree. So that being said who are we feeling for tonight for game seven
1: uh just for uh, before we get to that i want to read off some numbers uh currently as we record uh, the clippers are a seven and a half point favorite uh, the, uh with uh denver being plus 270 uh la being minus 330 uh and the over under is 208 and a half
2: yeah uh so i feel like you know if history is always set to repeat itself unless you change things and Mm -hmm. i don't necessarily know that the proof is in the pudding that doc
1: rivers can change yeah um so i'm gonna go denver i'm thinking denver too just like coach said you know none of the pressure is on denver it's all on la so and like we said they're playing with house money i think they're going to be laid. there's going to be that kind of anxiousness that anticipation that like you know laser point focus but i think they're going to be a little laid back they're going to be a little you know easygoing you know they're not going to be as worried. They're not going to be pressing. They're not. To, it's not going to be in the back of their head the entire game. Whereas with Clippers, they should have put this away a long time ago. This shouldn't even be a thing. This we shouldn't even be here talking game seven. You know, the only team making out well in this scenario are the Lakers. Facts. The Lakers are, were sitting there for what, like two weeks or whatever however long it's been. It
2: feels like it. It feels like it's well, having, been only a week, having, but it having, feels having, like two. you know having
1: not played. So this is only playing into the Lakers' favor. But I think it's going to end up being Denver.
0: I would normally say yes, but you brought up a point about how all the pressure is on the Clippers. Is there another player in the league that handles pressure like Kawhi Leonard?
1: Currently, yeah, maybe not.
0: That's where I'm leaning with this. I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any means. No, no. I think you're going to see some Toronto-Philly magic last-minute shot business happening here. I think the Clippers are going to sneak this out. It's going to be an ugly win. This is not going to be a highlight game. This is going to be very back and forth. This could even go into an overtime. I'm going to throw that out there. But I think when you have arguably the best player in the league and Kawhi Leonard on the court, and I know that Murray and Jokic have been playing lights out, but sometimes that Cinderella slipper falls off. I think it's going to happen tonight because I think Kawhi is going to step up and take this game over single-handedly. That being said, I think that you're going to have your LA versus LA matchup Mm -hmm. and the Lakers who let's touch upon very quickly before we jump into the East wrapped up shop against Houston. And now Houston is out ahead. Coach (laughs) Houston's
2: unraveling.
0: Houston is falling apart. So coach, you got any takes on that?
2: Yeah. I mean, I obviously high on the Rockets and um, you know, liked what D'Antoni had done. Uh, I don't think he gets all the credit in the world and, Obviously uh, you know, what he should have what he deserved really what uh-huh. what he did with this team. Mm-hmm. Um Goes back to what we said last week. You know, I kind of feel like they should have implemented a little bit of a bigger lineup to start the game, and then ran, you know, the small ball lineup to end quarters, sure. just to really blow teams out. You know, run, you know, use your legs and your and your stamina and your wheels that you have to, you know, help pace the game a little bit better. Um, but ultimately, you know, they they led with the small ball lineup, and it took a lot of teams by surprise. I kind of thought they were going to have a better start in series against the lakers um ultimately you know anthony davis and lebron proved to be too much um and russell westbrook just shot them out of games yeah i mean really this just boils down to and i i i don't think the russell westbrook trade was necessarily a bad trade obviously some of the pieces that they gave up yes yeah but the swapping of chris Paul for russell westbrook i didn't think was necessarily bad because james harden needs to have the ball in his hand Mm Mm-hmm. And, I mean, if I'm Houston this offseason, you know, I'm still trying to get a coach that's going to let James Harden run in isolation and pick and roll sets because that's ultimately where he's best at. And I almost think that you need to go out and you need – I mean, it's going to be difficult to trade wrestle uh, Westbrook at this point, but I kind of think that you have to. The experiment didn't work. Very obvious that it doesn't work. The two of them don't work together. I know that they're friends and they have good chemistry, but James Harden needs to be the – Ball dominant guard. So you almost need like a Mike Connolly or mm-hmm. a Ricky Rubio type point guard to pair with him if you want James Harden to continue to play the off guard, where, you know, a la the 76ers and Eric Young and Allen Iverson, he can play defense against bigger guards. So uh, James Harden doesn't need to do it. And uh, he can get him the ball in sets where you know you might want to run him off of a screen or something. So he doesn't have to dominate the ball. But that's what they need to pair him with. The ball-dominant guard, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, doesn't work with
0: James Harden. Fully agree on that, Pat. So, oh, well, oh, D'Antoni, oh, Dan, you know, real quick,
2: uh, looking like he's gonna, he's eyeing the 76er job. I, I don't think that's the right avenue for oh, him either. Definitely not um, the right avenue. You know, you talk about the fact that you want to play seven seconds or less, and now you want to go to a team where you've got two bigs that are fighting over the paint. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So hopefully D'Antoni reevaluates that situation and finds himself in a little bit of a better spot.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely think D'Antoni deserves a little bit of credit for what he's been able to do. You know, obviously it hasn't worked out, but I think it goes back to Ken what you dog and I were saying on Sunday when the news came out that he was you know, not fired, but he was informing the Rockets that he was not coming back, is maybe the small ball just wasn't it and maybe he should give you know not given up but like all right let's you know forget about this because the small ball only works for so long and so much especially when you're going up against lebron james who is listed at six foot nine and anthony davis who's listed at six foot ten yeah exactly you know when the when the basketball is or the rim is like eight or ten feet off the ground Doing small ball against guys who are more than half the height up there doesn't exactly work. You know, I, I think the I think you gotta give the Russell Westbrook thing maybe one more year because I like I forget whether it was Russell or Harden who said it. They said they're one piece away, and maybe that's true. I think you gotta give it one more year, bring in another piece. I don't know who. I don't I'm not even gonna sit here and try to guess, but I think you gotta bring in somebody, give it one more shot. And if it doesn't work after next year, even with the new head coach, that's when you gotta try and trade uh Russell Westbrook.
0: I fully think that they do need one more piece. They need height. They need yeah. size. Yeah. I think they also need to switch away from the small ball, like Coach was talking about, that I think Dan Tony did what he could down there, but with the lineup they had, you can only do so much. And the one area they never addressed is they never got a sizable force underneath. I mean, they had Trevor Reza for a little bit.
2: Right. Well, I mean, here's this is the thing, though, with the small ball and why they went to it is because Russell Westbrook is such a um you know a, a rim a rim attacker yeah. you know i mean he's not going to pull up and shoot the step back threes like a james harden uh, or an eric gordon or an austin rivers you know style guard that does that he finishes at the rim mm. and when you have a center that dominates the the paint like a clint capella which is why they traded him yeah. the it clashes chemistry wise they ran five out and you can't run five out with clint capella yeah. So my my thing of starting Tyson Chandler is just mostly just to have a defensive presence in the early part of the game, and then you switch to the small ball lineup.
1: Sure. I mean, just to do that for some stats, uh, during the regular season, the Houston Rockets were 18th in the NBA uh, with 44.3 rebounds per game.
0: Yeah, so they obviously have to figure something out there. I know the name that was going around was uh, Tyrone Liu. And uh, Jack Jeff Vaughn is yeah. also Vaughn, interviewing. Yeah, And I heard Jeff Van Gundy.
1: Yeah, I've heard him oh, for a couple of teams. Sons I, of
0: bitches. I, I know. I swear to God. I swear
2: to God I will I will not be happy. I,
0: I, will, I, I will not be happy. I won't if he comes out to coach this team, I will be pissed. I, I don't think he will, but I know he was one of the names that was highly rumored, just, so I don't I don't know exactly what the deal is there.
1: He is such an asshole. <laughs> He's such a dick. I'm really feeling the love between you two. I I do. I
2: I'm I mean, if you're, I if you're a Knicks fond- fan, you Yeah, I've had Gunn my G. fondest memories with him. I mean, my youth was growing up with him holding on to Alonzo Mornings leg. But this son of a bitch just teases and teases and pulls the heartstring of Knicks fans. You know, oh, you know, I'm interested in coming back to coaching. Well, conveniently, the Knicks have an open position. Yeah. No, I'm not interested in coaching. And then all of a sudden the goddamn Rockets every
0: time with him. I don't know what it is about Houston and him. I don't know. I it, don't get it's it. Always something. It's yeah. I but we'll have to wait and see who winds up being the head coach because they need to definitely do some work down there. And like I said, I think they're one piece away. I just don't know who that player is. It's not Russell Westbrook. It's but <laughs> with Russell Westbrook. If they want to try doing a three way trade, that yeah. might be the, that might be an idea too. Let's do it. So who knows? Maybe Russell will come to New York. No, oh, I won't start Cr- that now. Chris Paul. Yeah, Chris yeah. Paul, that's a possibility. That's a name heavily getting rumored right yes, now. Yes, it is. So we'll have to kind of wait and see about that. And let's flip gears quickly to tonight kicks off the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, yeah it does. Miami flip. versus Boston. So, Coach, what's your feelings on this one? Um, So, Ken,
2: as, you know, Knicks fans growing up in that era where, you know, it was the heat and, the, you know, not so much the Celtics because they had some bad years while the Knicks were prominent during the, you know, that late 90s stretch. Is it... Bad for me to cheer for the Heat
1: as feel, a Knicks fan. Yes, I feel the same
0: thing. I feel I, I feel very awkward doing I, it. It's,
2: it's so, like, I, but it's Jimmy Butler. Like it's not only is it Jimmy Butler, but I feel as though because the Knicks have been so bad that the
0: rivalry with Miami is dead. Oh, that's long dead. Like it, it, it's long dead because once it flipped over to the Big Three. It it, it it was dead. It was, dead even it was Miami. There. It was Miami versus everybody.
2: Yeah, and not. But no, because they had that series against the Knicks they, with Melo. They had
0: the series, so it's still a little fresh. But it was. But then it just dropped. But it off. But it's still
2: a little dead. And I view like I feel like I should hate Boston more now. See, I
0: can't hate Boston on, no. on this and, aspect,
2: which I know is it's weird, weird because. Jason Tatum I know It sucks It God it sucks To be a Knicks fan it, it's, oh. so, it's so awkward Picking a team For this uh, Like, for this, It's I, literally It's it's our Outside of Brooklyn Being in this This is the worst Nightmare for Knicks oh, We so can yeah. only
1: get so lucky
0: or, 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 <laughs> Well I mean it, Next it, year If Brooklyn gets here Trust me It's going to be About 25 minutes Of coaching right, I just like, completely Ranty That, that would be The
2: worst case scenario If it was like Miami Brooklyn It's Miami all day oh, But yeah. if it's like Boston Brooklyn What do you do With that if it's Philly and Brooklyn, what do you do with that? We only you know? cover the
0: Western Conference then. Right, and be a, we just won't even mention the East doesn't happen. The East doesn't exist.
2: So I mean, and just because the Knicks are so like, it's almost like uh, you know locally, you know how uh, Forks uh, High School and Shenango Valley like have their rivalry, and yeah. like all the Valley people are like, oh, down with Forks, but then everybody outside of it's like, guys, stop. Like yeah. that's how I feel as a Knicks fan. I feel like just that outside person just looking in, being like, the rivalries are dead. The it rivalries is, are it dead. Is until the Knicks
0: get back to prominence. Which will uh, be when we're 70 and f-
2: not able to enjoy it because we can't enjoy things anymore.
0: Yeah, this is true. So,
2: <laughs> I mean, listen, I, I'm cheering for Miami just by default because Jimmy Butler and playoff Jimmy is a ton of fun. And I feel like he got robbed last year uh, in that series against uh, Kawhi in Toronto. Yeah. Because, I mean, he
1: really was amazing. So, Miami. I think it's going to end up being Boston I mean you look at the how that, that both teams got there uh, Boston swept Philly uh, in four games in the first round took uh, the Raptors to Game 7, I believe, and ended up beating them. Uh, on the flip side, the Heat swept Indiana in the first round and then... Dominated. Beat, yeah, and then uh, beat the Milwaukee Bucks to shock everybody. Dominated them! You know, mm-hmm. to shock everybody and get to these conferences. Oh,
2: cool. Giannis in my ankle. You know,
1: Soft. Jimmy Butler is good. Had the voting not been for MVP, you know, not been predetermined by before the, the pandemic shut everything down, I think you'd have a real case for putting Jimmy Butler in that conversation.
2: I mean, playoff Jimmy, yeah, absolutely, should always, always be a yeah, whole different ballgame. Yeah,
1: but I, I just think you know, eventually the clock has got to strike midnight for Cinderella. You know, eventually the magic's got to wear out. And I just looking at you know the starting five for Boston, Cardiac Kamba High As a Syracuse Orange basketball fan, that man has ruined my life for a few years when he was in college. You know, you got Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Uh, you know, and then Daniel Th- uh, Thies. I just like their starting five, and I think. I just think the clock might be striking midnight for Miami, but he's proven me wrong before.
0: Who would ever have thought that we would have got here for our Eastern Conference Finals? It's the first. I mean, it first. was either Milwaukee or Toronto. It was
2: Milwaukee and Toronto. Well, I mean, we we said that if any team could
1: take them, it's Boston.
2: Yeah, yeah. we definitely did not see Miami. Miami missed. was not no. on the radar about no. this one.
1: No, I mean, and it, and it is the first Eastern Conference Finals in NBA history without a number one or number two seed.
0: And I mean, they embarrassed Milwaukee. Yeah, like, M- uh-huh. Milwaukee got exposed. I mean, oh, yeah. I think the for us realizing how great Giannis is, he needs help. Yo, I hey, and that traveling cast that he has with him, i just, just not the people. I'm just
2: gonna say, I when that the whole Scotty controversy came out, yo, and then he got his ankle hurt, and then you know, kind of, oh my ankle hurts. I'm kind of gonna duck out. Yeah. I mean, you, you, we I all did. watched the Jordan documentary. Yeah.
1: We yeah. all saw what Scotty did. And when the Scotty comparison first came just out, saying. I was like, oh, it's just people looking and, and reading into reading into it too much. That series went on, and I'm like, yeah, maybe there's something to this.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like I said, Milwaukee. I mean, they're just not—they're not the people that are really going to step up to do this. And you, it showed. I mean, when Giannis went down, they needed somebody to step up, and, and if they're really a true number one seed.
2: Well, they played well in the game that he initially went down. I mean, right. Chris Middleton right. really st- stepped up, but right. then without him in game, that would have yeah. been game five. They yeah. got exposed. They had, they had nothing. They got yeah. exposed. Yeah.
0: So for this, Jimmy Butler, I love. I think he would make an amazing Nick if somehow we could wind up pulling some strings. <laughs> we can go it. back in time. I'm fl- having fix flashbacks. It. And I know Tyler Hero has been on a roll
3: down. So in much Miami, fun. But Hero,
2: there's no shot Tyler Hero does not like
0: period.
3: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
0: DMs or basketball, baby. But I can't go with Miami.
4: Oh I, I can't.
0: I'm sorry. Come on. One, I will always remember it's the playoff vision. Jimmy. I understand that, but I always remember that image. Of the Miami fans leaving early yeah, from the championship game finals? Game five. No, no. That was a oh, different Miami was game, team. It was game six when they left when Ray Allen hit the shot. They left, all left before him. Oh, okay. That, okay.
2: Listen, that Miami team, that Miami group of fans, that's a – Different Miami group now. That's not this Miami group. This Miami group is is hard nosed. They they're behind Jimmy. That team was that group of fans back then was was um, cherry picking.
1: That that initial group of fans left and became Cleveland fans, and then left and became exactly. Lakers fans.
2: I yes. know I I know a dude specifically I'm friends with on Facebook. This and it's not who you think. It, it's somebody else who was all you know was a Miami Heat fan. Quote unquote. And when LeBron came, you oh LeBron, you know I'm so happy he's here. And then when LeBron left, he was the first one on facebook we never needed lebron lebron's a bum yeah you know you're like you know who you are you saw what you said you know what you said so those fans take them and put them aside this is a different class of miami fan this is the 98 group of miami fans
0: and i still can't root for them because i'm still bitter about new york that's fine that's all right that i can understand yeah but, like, I, I, I think this Miami Heat team has been a surprise, a good yeah. one for oh, the Eastern yeah. Conference. Yeah. And I think that they're going to push this to seven games. I fully do. I think so, too. I fully yeah. think they're going to win in six. I'm, I'm saying Celtics in seven. Yeah, I'm saying the same hardy hardy thing. Kemba is going to show up. Tatum is going to have a breakout game. Except he's going to be covered by Jimmy Butler. And this is where he's going to prove if he's a true superstar or not. <sighs> Let me – and uh, real
2: quick about Jimmy, if we may. Sure. In today's NBA – where superstars don't typically cover the other team's number one. You know, mm-hmm. because in in Milwaukee, it's a little bit different because Giannis doesn't cover the number one because they want him to be able to get off ball to help defensively because he's so tall and lengthy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you've got other superstars who, you know, don't cover the number one. That's not Jimmy.
0: No, That's Jimmy, not my Jimmy. Jimmy. Jimmy covers
2: number one, baby.
0: Jimmy has no fear. Jimmy
2: will cover anybody. And I love it. I love it so much. I'm just. Hoping. I'm gonna sell you on rooting for Miami by the time we finish this, because Tyler Hero is the man on and off the court. Kelly O'Linnick, dude's still in the NBA. Ken this Kelly O'Linick still in the NBA. Who used to play for Boston, mind you. Oh, I, then, I, I remember him. Then, not to mention, you got Goran Dragic, who's got one of the coolest names in all of the NBA, and Bam Abadade. Who I can't even say his
1: damn name, but he blocks shots like crazy. You know what I think it is, and I, it was an all-star. I think it's just coach just can't root for Enis Cantor. This is true. Oh shit, I <laughs> forgot. I forgot he was even in the series. Former <laughs> Listen, WWE twenty four seven champ.
2: I I love. I mean, obviously, Ken Duke fans. Jay, uh, uh, Jay. Tatum, you know, yeah. is near and dear our heart. I also, you know, really do like uh, Gordon Hayward and root for him, especially after you know, obviously the gruesome injury that he suffered last year. Mm-hmm. But I mean. On the real though, Jimmy Butler is near and dear to my heart, and I I cannot not root for this man to be successful.
0: Like I say, it's not a matter of I'm rooting against him. Sure, sure, but I, you're
2: not rooting for his team, which I'm, is
0: an indirectly rooting
2: against him. Well, so Ken, by your own logic, you're now cheering for Miami.
0: Then I'm going to abstain from the from the Eastern Conference. So, no, but I just – I look at it like Carry this. Carry the one. Da, da, yeah, I'm, yeah doing my uh-huh. Steiner, I'm doing my Steiner <laughs> math about this one. I look at it like this. I think the Celtics are just an overall better team, and I think that where Jimmy Butler makes up a lot of ground for his team and does instill an identity of toughness to Miami, a which crit. I think – Yeah, Yeah, they, they never had this before he got there. I think that he's going to will them as much as he can, but I think that Kemba's going to step up. I think Tatum's going to step up. I think the Celtics – are going to be the ones to pull this off.
2: I mean, Jimmy Butler can't cover everybody. Exactly. As much as I
0: like to think that he can, yeah. he just he can't. He's you know, gonna, he's, he's only one man. He'll do. He'll do what he can. He's going to keep them in games. He's going to win a couple that they shouldn't win. Sure. And that's why I said I think it could go seven. And I think the Celtics are are just going to sneak it out. I'm not saying they're going to blow if, out by any means. I can't take another Lakers.
2: How? And let's talk about the fact that if the Lakers play Miami, how fun that will be. The narrative that will be with. Uh, The Lakers, because here will be King James, you know, going to L.A., the the Hollywood, you know, the glam, the lights, you know, he left Miami, and now here's Jimmy Butler, this quiet, came up through Juco, the story, 13 years old, you know, left on his own, friend to friend's house. Grinding his way into college basketball, Tim Marquette, not on anybody's draft board, left on Chicago's bench, now leading the once led LeBron James Miami Heat team to the NBA finals against him. That is a that is a Goliath versus David, a David versus Goliath
0: story. It is You're welcome, NBA. I just wrote your NBA finals. It's an amazing story if it can happen. I just don't think they're going to get past Boston. God damn it, Ken! <laughs> Sorry, I, I tried the pageantry. I tried everything. I know. I, it's just. It's I not, really thought I had you there. I
2: thought I thought I captured your 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 the story with that.
0: No, I root for Jimmy Butler as a person. I think his story is amazing. <laughs> I just can't root for Miami willingly. That's All just right. me. But if Miami does go against the Lakers, I will be cheering for Miami. I will say that. Okay, good. That yeah. at least deal. Yeah, I'll, I'll say that whoever comes out of the East, because I'd like to see the Eastern Conference stop the Lakers' Lakers onslaught. Nothing against the Lakers, but it's I just don't want another Laker-Boston thing because then we're gonna have to deal with
2: that whole thing. And
0: ugh. but here's the thing: if if anybody can stop the narrative that is the Lakers, because the Lakers are just running roughshod over everybody, right? If somebody can stop it and make a good storyline of it, sure. I, I want to see that. I want to see competition because I don't want to see a four-game sweep and Lakers win by 25 every night. Ugh. That is what I fear is going to happen. So if somebody can put a stop to that and make some compelling basketball, I'm going to root for that. All right. And that's what I say. Tonight, I, I agree. And and tonight, like I say, I'm, I'm calling the Clippers and I'm calling the Celtics. Well hit us up on the hashtag hashtag ODPH. Who are you calling in game seven and game one of the NBA conference finals today? We definitely want to have that conversation. We're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back.
4: My name is Paige, and I'm the host of Reverie True Crime. Reverie means to daydream, but even daydreams can become nightmares. Come join me and get lost in horrific reverie about true crimes and eerie events reverie true crime podcast available wherever you stream your favorite podcasts
1: this is rich the host of the three fat nerds podcast and co-host of the horror Zone 607 podcast and you are listening to our hashtag 607 podcast brothers the ocho duro parlay hour now kick it back over to ken moneybags and the crew
0: Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and let us talk some UFC action. Mm-hmm. They're definitely going in with a lot of great fights right before UFC 253 next week. Mm-hmm. But this past fr- Saturday, though, there was a fight night with Michelle Waterson and Angela Hill, women's strawweight, which went to decision. I will say this. It was one of the best fights I've seen all year. Okay, Very back and forth with Angela Hill with Michelle Watterson, though, getting the decision. Hill was definitely working the striking the first two rounds. Watterson was implementing a lot of wrestling in the last two and really took control of the fifth round, which could have gone either way. So definitely kicked off a good month here of fights as that was the 12th. Now we're going into the 19th. Saturday night, we're back in Vegas. Uh-huh. Pad, you got the fight card, because this is a hell of a fight night that should be a pay-per-view, in my opinion. Yeah, it
1: arguably could be. So, taking place uh, this Saturday, September 19th, from the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, taking place on ESPN+, Plus, I believe. Uh, I'd have to double-check that. You have headlining the card, Colby Covington, taking on Tyron Woodley in the welterweight division. co maining event, you have Donald Cowboy Cerrone, taking on Nico Price in the co-main event. Uh, also fighting, you have uh, podcast favorite, Johnny Walker, fighting at the light heavyweight division it's a great card
4: yes
0: and the middleweight card is kazmet chevev fighting and he is the gentleman that has been fighting it seems like every month this year Mm. he is the one that is the new big thing and if you've never seen a fight he is must watch for that middleweight division he is a very very scary man very scary so let's kind of break down the top two of this main co the main card here And let's go Donald Cerrone versus podcast favorite Nico Price because Nico follows the show. This is true. So, Pat, you have any feelings on this one? Uh,
1: This, to me, is, uh, you know going to be very interesting just because you look at uh, Donald Cowboys uh, Cerrone's record, 52 professional matches, 36 wins, 15 losses, lost his last four in a row, Mm -hmm. Uh, although they are two very top-tier AAA talent, uh, lost, uh, knocked out by Tony Ferguson, knocked out by Justin Gaethje, knocked out by Conor McGregor, uh, and then unanimous decision against uh, Anthony Showtime Pettis. Uh, On the flip side, Nico Price, uh, 19 professional matches, 14 wins, 4 losses, kind of like a a win-lose, win-lose type scenario. Uh, Lost his last fight against uh, Vicente Luke uh, via Dr. Stoppage. Uh, Won his previous fight before that against James Vick, who he knocked out. Before that, he lost to James Neal uh, by TKO, beat Tim Means by a knockout. So, I mean, if I'm just looking, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, maybe he's due for a win?
0: If you've never seen Nico fight, Nico is pretty much reminds me a lot of Clay
1: Guida. Ah, okay.
0: Like, he is a wild man when he gets in the cage. Mm -hmm. And he definitely throws hands, throws kicks. He gets into brawls. For Donald Cerrone, this feels to me like a must win fight. Yeah. I don't know about it. What are you thinking, coach? I mean, yeah. You talk about those last performances. You mean,
2: you talk about how. UFC you know when guys are coming up on father time and towards the end of their career Mm -hmm. the willingness that they have to either say hey you can retire UFC fighter or we're going to cut you yeah and I mean I know as much of a fan favorite as Cerrone is but I mean the same same story happened to Liddell and other great fighters before them you know I mean if You're not winning. There's guys behind you that will. Yeah. I
1: I mean, the Tony Ferguson loss, I believe, was the one where he had what was it? The busted nose, mm -hmm. and he and he went to blow it, and that's you know huge no no. So the doctor stopped it. Gaethje knocked him out in the first round. Connor knocked him out forty seconds into the first round. Shoulder shot of doom. You know, and then Showtime, he went the distance. I I is I love. Cowboy Cerrone, you know, I got a hell of a lot of respect for the man. You know, let's not forget when Anderson Silva was supposed to be taking on whatever Diaz brother it was in Brazil, and that Diaz brother had not yet shown up to Brazil yet, Cerrone was saying, hey, if y'all need me to fight, I'm here and at weight. You know, the man is ready to fight on the drop of a dime, drop of a hat, if you will. You know, always been a go-getter, always been a slugger, never one to back down from any fight. But I'm afraid we're quickly reaching a Chuck Liddell level, where, like I said, 52 professional matches—that's a lot. You know, that's a lot of tread on the tires. 37 years old. You know, he's been doing it a very long time. You know, ever since his first professional fight was way back in February of 2006. Yeah. You know, that's a lot of tread in the tires, and and I'm just afraid that father time has not only caught up with him. It's you know, it's it, to to quote Anthony Mackie in Avengers, uh, or, uh, Captain America, too. On your left,
0: yeah. This is something that he or a quote re- cap. I'm sorry. Yeah, he really needs to pull off something here, and mm-hmm. I, I think it's it's safe to say that everybody here is a Cerrone fan. I mean, yeah. for a gentleman that that lives the lifestyle, anytime, any place, anywhere, who is known to walk around, fight cards at fight weight, in case somebody needed to have a fill-in
1: and and, and he says anytime any place anywhere he's not just saying it it's to, not a saying he's not just saying it to look good or look cool he legitimately means it yeah he
0: definitely showed up i remember you were talking about the nate diaz fight thank you he was ready to just step nate, in when, yeah. when nate was mia at the time he
1: was not even he just hadn't gotten down to brazil yet and, yeah. and cerrone literally i think put out on twitter hey i'm here and at wait if you need me yeah cerrone
0: lives that lifestyle he's a ufc legend belt or no belt he will definitely go down in the echelons of UFC history. Mm-hmm. This card, though, I got to give it to Nico. Yeah. I, I'm not saying this is going to be an easy fight. If no, anything, no. this is going to be a fun fight for striking. Yes. As much as Cerrone is a submission specialist and he, and he can submit people left and right, Nico likes to stand there and bang. So, I'm expecting a lot of wild ass punches and kicks. Yeah. They're going to be just letting it all hang out. Yeah. And I think Nico is going to wind up winning this, and it's going to be a fun one to watch. Like I say.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a big test for Nico. You know, no disrespect to anybody he's ever beaten, but this is, you know, it's names I recognize, but it's not any names I'm like, ooh. He fought that person and beat them. You know, this is the, for me. It's the first name. I'm like, all right, this is your first real big here, boy.
0: Well, he really steps in there and he's he's always in the fights. Like that's mm-hmm. the one thing. He's in, he's somebody that, like I say, he stands in the pocket too long. Yeah. If there's anything I can critique, he stands there and takes way too many shots. Yeah. Way too many. But that's what makes you an exciting fighter, and that's why, like I say, I compare like with Clay Guida. Sure. Because Clay would go in there and scrap with everybody, and he wouldn't know enough to kind of back off and try. Uh, implement something else, he'd stand there and bang. But that's why fans love him, yeah. So, the same thing can be said for Nico. Like I say, we're lucky he follows us here on the podcast. So, what up, Nico, and good luck this weekend, yes. But this is going to be a this feels like a main event, but it's not a main event. And like I said, Nico should definitely pull off the win here. If he doesn't, mm-hmm. I think Cerrone keeps his uh on the payroll mm-hmm. one more fight at least. And if, yeah. if not, Dana's got to make a decision sooner or later. And yeah. I, I hate saying that, but it's at the same stage like we we're talking about with Adele. You have to make a point sometime when the fighter is just not the same fighter at the stage. No. Now we're going to the main event.
1: Yep. That is in the welterweight division, Colby Covington taking on Tyron Woodley. Colby Covington in 17 professional matches has a 15-2 and two record. Uh, and on the flip side, uh, Tyron Woodley in 25 professional matches has a record of 19-5. and five.
0: Coach, any feelings on this one?
2: Well, I mean, Kobe Covington is a goon, so I'm really pulling for Tyron Woodley. I also hope he puts a better performance, like I've mentioned many times before, than he did on the show Titans because that was embarrassing. So hopefully maybe he has that in his back pocket when he was training, thinking about how he was embarrassed on national TV against some average Joe who beat him in the Titan games, and he's like sitting there and he's got a picture of him and Kobe next to each other by the punching bag and he's like, I lost, I lost, I hate you, Colby. You know, and maybe he's just getting angry and getting fired up. and And I hope he puts on a hell of a
1: performance. Pat, uh, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat as as uh, coach. I got no love lost for Colby Covington. You know, he's 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 the new uh, Conor McGregor. Watch funny. it in that. Watch it in that. Conor talked a lot of shit. And I wanted to see him get his ass checked, Yay. get his ass checked just to see how he handled it. Colby, for me, is, is very much in the same vein. He talks a lot of shit. You know, he, yeah, he's beaten Robbie Lawler and Rafael Dos Anjos and Damian Maya. I've beaten Robbie Lawler. You, I'm know, just kidding. you know, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'll say, uh, you might be getting a knock on your door tonight from Robbie Lawler, you know, but he's been a, a shit talker. But to, at least for me, he's never been able to back it up. And I want to see him. Uh, he lost it. Colby uh, lost his last fight against Kamaru Usman. And he got knocked out uh, in the fifth round. And that was for the Walter weight championship. You know, I, I want to see him get his ass checked again. I just cannot stand Colby Covington. And, and so, ergo, I'm rooting for Tyron.
0: This fight has a lot of storylines going in with it. Tyrone Woodley, former welterweight champion, has never really gotten back on the same winning streak since he's lost the belt. And I don't want to say that he's now getting surpassed by the younger fighters coming up in the game, mm-hmm. but he's definitely looking out of place right now currently. okay, His last couple of performances, he has not looked... Like the guy, that won the belt.
1: So he lost uh, against Kamaru Usman back in March of last year. That was for the welterweight championship, uh, and then his most recent fight was a unanimous decision loss to Gilbert Burns uh, back in May.
0: Yeah, he just does not look the same. I mean, well, you, when you fight Usman, yeah, the beating that Woodley took in that fight is was absolutely horrific to watch. Mm-hmm. I still, yeah, ugh. the
2: shots I mean, he took. That was a different Usman, too, because, yeah. I mean, now Usman as champion is not the same fighter as he was Usman versus Woodley.
3: Yeah. True.
0: So now, what are we going to get out of Tyrone Woodley? We're also going to ask, where are we getting in out of Colby Covington? And say what you will about him, the character that he portrays, because it's not even him sure, in the trash, trash talking. it's a It's a whole shtick. Mm-hmm. The whole MAGA stuff. It's and, an and annoying shtick, though. Yeah. But he's getting ratings and he's getting people to watch him get his ass whooped. But take the character away from him. He is a hell of a fighter. He fights at a very high frenetic pace. He can definitely use his wrestling to win. I'm hoping Woodley pulls this off. But I'm fearing Covington's going to win because I'm really tired of his act. I really just wish he would try not being the evil Connor, shall we say, with the promos. Sure. Because we're... I just don't like all these Connor comparisons. Well, the one... I mean... Well, it's the one thing when a fighter is known for being controversial and charismatic on a microphone. Sure. You're going to get that comparison because (sighs) when Chael Sonnen opened the door, Connor walked through it. Oh, yeah.
1: No, yeah. Chael Chael was... (laughs) He walked through
0: it. Connor doesn't walk through Chael Sonnen's
1: door. He struts.
2: He bucked that goddamn door to the ground and
0: then strutted through it.
1: Yeah, no. Chael opened the door. Chael was very good at the trash talk, but he did it in a fun way. He was never an ass about it. <laughs> no. Well, 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 well.
0: asterisks by that with Anderson Silva. Yeah,
1: Anderson Silva is a lone exception. Connor, as much as he was an ass, you know, and and kind of annoying and and loud and and boisterous, he backed it up. You know he was able to step up and back it up, and to this point, the only people who have ever been able to put a feather in their cap—they knocked him out, they they beat him, are whatever Diaz brother it was, and Habib. Nate. You know, but Connor, you know, he, he trash talked, but it, but it, at the end of the day, it was all business. Mm-hmm. You know, he you get out of you know he trash talked against Cerrone, and he you know when he fought Cerrone, but then coming out of the Cerrone fight. He had all the respect in the world for Cerrone. He went up. There was that video after the fight of he went up to Cerrone's grandmother yeah, and, and, and said, hey, listen, you know, your your grandson's a hell of a fighter. He's a great man, and I got all the respect for him in the world, and I hope you do well. You know, so I got respect for Connor in that aspect. I got no respect for Colby. Yeah, because Colby to me, and I get it's a shtick. I get it's a character. I get he's doing, playing up the wrestling. You know, WWE aspect of it. But he'd knock a guy out and walk past his grandma and go, "Hey, your grandson's a piece of shit." Yeah. You know, I got no respect for the guy. If, if you, you can talk, talk trash, but if at the end of the day it's all business and you gotta you show respect. I'll respect the hell out of you. Colby doesn't respect anybody.
0: No, Colby doesn't Colby. Like I said, has fully bought into this pizza shit character that he's created and he's staying to it. He's staying kayfabe, fabe if we're going to keep it wrestling terms. But that being said though, I think Colby does win this fight, unfortunately. And then he's now back in title contention talk because I think that he's just too fast for Woodley. I think Woodley needs to go out here and implement some wrestling and The first couple rounds are going to be boring if Woodley fights a smart fight because he needs to grapple with him. He needs to slow Colby down. If Colby can implement his pace, it's going to be a long night for Woodley, and Woodley is going to need to catch him. I just don't know if he has the speed at this stage to do it. So we're going to have to wait to see what happens on Saturday night. But funny you mentioned about the Diaz brothers, because Uh I was actually going to mention this for rounding the bases, but, you know, I'll say it now. So Nate – has been the lone Diaz brother. That's been the one fighting Connor. He's been the most charismatic one as of late. Mm-hmm. But the legend that is his brother Nick, yep. who was the one that was supposed to fight Anderson Silva way back, or fought Anderson Silva way back when, uh, who has been very charismatic in his own right. He's a, almost like a MMA legend, yeah. if you will, because yeah. he's he's an enigma to try figuring out. Nick does what Nick does. It has now been reported Nick is eyeing to return to MMA in 2021.
1: War Stockton.
0: So, Coach, how do you feel about
2: this? I mean, it will be interesting to see where the UFC kind of plugs him into and what kind of fight they look for him to have. Um, Obviously, he's been out of the fight game for how many years now? I mean, oh, couple, a couple. couple. yeah. yeah. I mean, so it will be interesting to see if they kind of lead with a name or if, you know, Connor rumors was that, you know, he was – having UFC officials on his boat while he was vacationing and not getting in trouble. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if maybe that's the route that they take. Mm-hmm. I know that's been talked before about bringing the Diaz in for, you know, that Conor fight. So it'll it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I, 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 I just don't know where they'll go because, I mean, you've won two options. Either you put him in with a, a mid-level, you know, car guy just to get, you know, him a fight before you lead him into a bigger fight or you plug and play. And yeah. you go from there,
1: Pat Diaz brothers. No matter if it's Nick or Nate, are good for uh, MMA and UFC. They are gold win, loser, draw. I will never forget the one instance. I forget if it was Nick or Nate when it was a uh, UFC on Fox card that he won. Oh, that's Nate. You know, and then went went on a thirty to forty five second swearing, con- you know, rant or whatever it was. And, the, and the, the sensors had to just cut the audio for 30. So you're watching the fight. You might be able to find it on YouTube, but he's talking to Joe Rogan in the octagon and the sound just cuts out for 30 to 45 seconds. And he was dropping f bombs the entire time. And they come back and Joe goes, uh, uh, hey, we're on Fox. I don't give a fuck. You yeah. know, I, so the Diaz brothers are great for MMA. They're great for viewers. I, I don't care where you plug him in. Just, I, you know, I'm going to tune in. The
0: Diaz brothers, like I say, are MMA enigmas because they just do what they want. They have the arguably most rabid fan base in all of MMA. Uh-huh. If you are a Diaz brothers fan, you love the Diaz brothers. To see Nate come back, or see Nick come back, rather, because, well, Nate has been you know dabbling in and out, and he's waiting for the right fight. I think the smart fight you do with Nate is you have him against Masvidal. I, th- I think that fight, I know, has been almost just signed— they need to run that one back for the BMF title, and I think you give Nick Connor McGregor. That is Why the, not? That's yeah. the only fight that makes sense to me. I know if if Nate or Nick can beat Connor, that is going to elevate him into he could be in a contender title fight. He can definitely do that right off the gate. Absolutely, Nick is definitely a gamer. He'll fight anybody. He is not afraid to ruffle some feathers. He's not afraid to do anything crazy. You can go through his MMA repertoire, and you can see the names he's fought over the years. You know one thing, he'll bleed, and he'll come out swinging, and that Stockton jab is going to be there all night. He can go to the ground with everybody. He is, like I say, he's an MMA legend. To see him come back, they need to give him somebody that is a big name, and if it's not uh, Connor, it's got to be Masvidal. It's one of those two fighters. I think anybody else would, I don't want to say be a gimme fight, but it would almost be not that much big of a sizzle like you would almost expect nick to come in there and just win rough shot i mean personally i would love to see him fight leon edwards i don't know if that's going to happen because leon edwards doesn't move the needle because he's not a charismatic fighter but he just wins so what do you take away from that but for me you have to put nick in there you gotta give him a big name off the gate and like i said what bigger name could you give him other than connor and that would generate ratings Mm -hmm. galore facts so many storylines going on with the UFC, and obviously there's a big fight night going on this Saturday night. So check out ESPN+, Plus wherever you watch your MMA action. But hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts about this weekend's UFC action? And what is your thoughts about Nick Diaz returning to the UFC? We need to have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast and let's round those bases and take this show home pad leave us off
1: yeah, I gotta talk a little bit of baseball because we are in the final two weeks of the regular season uh, and it was fine and a deal was finalized bet- today between major league baseball and the players association to have a bubble format uh, for the postseason uh, the, so what was agreed between major league baseball and the players association was they will have a bubble play uh, format of sorts not like quite like the NBA where they're just playing all their games in one specific area but a centralized location that will eventually shrink down to just one location so uh what they have is uh, so with the playoffs this year uh, instead of the usual 10 teams it will be 16 teams uh obviously because of the pandemic and every whatnot plus they've been talking about this for a few years so uh without getting into too many of the nitty-gritty here's kind of what you need to know uh the wild card games uh, which are a best of three series uh will take place at the home parks for the the top seeded teams for all three games after that when you move to the league division series uh, for the national league division series the games will be played at the texas rangers new ballpark that is globe life field uh and the houston astros ballpark uh you can make your own jokes here because well (laughs) fuck fuck the astros Uh, And then in the American League Division Series, the games will be be played in the San Diego Padres uh, Stadium and then Dodgers Stadium. After that, uh, in the National League Championship Series, the games will be played at Rangers Stadium uh, and Padres Stadium uh, with the World Series being played at the Texas Rangers new ballpark. Uh, Should note, this will be the the first time uh, Major League Baseball's championship will be played entirely at one site since 1944. Wow, that is crazy. Long time. So it should be real interesting. Glad to see it happen. Going to be real interesting. Interesting to see that can of tuna. New stadium, Texas has got down there in uh, Arlington, but looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, it's going definitely the safest way to do the World yeah. Series this year so I'm all yeah. for it to keep the players safe.
1: all warm weather cities, you know, Texas as much as I'm shitting on their new stadium cuz Google it, it looks like a It looks like a tuna can. It looks like a tuna can. It does have a retractable roof so you're not going to have to worry about any rain delays like they did with the what was it the Phillies and Rays back in 2008. You know, you're not going to have to worry about anything. You can just play straight through. You might have a delay if you got to close the roof and it takes 15 minutes for the damn thing to close, but should be good and uh, should be fun to watch. Coach well, what I've got here is uh,
2: having to retire from being able to play in uh, Summer League pickup lacrosse due to age. And father time. Father time, yeah, and not being able to keep up with these college kids. I have taken up the sport that all retired athletes do, which is golf. And now uh, with that comes my obsession of golf, and the U.S. Open is this weekend, ladies and gentlemen. So you're
1: making some Guy Galore Jr. real happy. Yeah, there's somebody
0: yelling in green right now.
2: Yep, so I am very excited. Uh, You know, Wingfoot's going to be played very tough this week. They have 7-inch rough right now, which is thick. You're talking about literally the ball going into this rough and disappearing. Uh, And without fans, luckily they have ball spotters because if it goes in there, you're not gonna find it, yeah, and not even to mention the first cut is at five inches. So that is also thick. So it's going to be a hell of a weekend if you're not uh, if you enjoy the skill of golf, that is what you're gonna get this weekend. You're not gonna get you know Dustin Johnson running thirty under and just dominating a course. You're gonna be lucky to see if a guy finishes this one uh, maybe even two over. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a skill. I mean, guys are gonna be going for pars, not for birdies. <laughs> that is it's, wild. Yeah, I mean, it's it's gonna be a hell of a it's gonna be a hell of a week. You know, if you if you enjoy golf and you enjoy the skill, that's what this is gonna be.
0: Yeah, it's always something fun to watch. I mean, I'm not the biggest golfer. Sure, but, sure. But it's something like if I catch on, I'm like okay.
2: Yeah, I mean, I definitely Sunday is gonna probably be exciting because there's gonna be a lot of guys in contention again because I mean one over is going to be probably the score that wins. So, I mean, if they're one to two to three over, a lot of people are going to be in contention. Definitely have to stay tuned for that. So plus Tiger's playing.
0: Yeah, so that's always Tiger. It's always yeah, a plus. Yeah, he's always headlined. So, definitely, he'll be drawing some ratings in. And definitely, obviously, it's a big, go- it's a big golf course. Yeah, I mean, big, Notre, Dame got bo-
2: Notre Dame got booted to USA Network. Yeah. So, I mean, that just goes to show you, you know, where NBC's priority is to boot, literally, for the first time, I think, in like 20 years, Notre Dame off of... Coverage to USA Network goes to show you how important this tournament is. Tiger
1: equals ratings. Yeah, yeah. facts. And the, and the stats don't lie. Look them up.
2: Yeah, no, for real. I mean, literally, NBC's bread and butter besides the Olympics is Notre Dame football, and it's getting booted for the U.S. Open. Oh, yeah. And they have an entire channel dedicated to golf. Yeah, You literally yeah. could have put two hours of coverage yep. on the golf network. No, 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 Notre Dame. You step aside. USf, USF is not that important. You play in USA.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely wild to think yep. about. So definitely stay tuned for that this weekend. I would say we're, we would we talk some wrestling, but I'm going to save it for twitch.tv slash 607podcast. This past week, we had Johnny Moose on for Excite Wrestling, Ooh, throwing, hey. throwing the open challenge out to Josh Barnett. Oh. So Uh-oh. that is on Twitch. That is making the rounds on the Moose internet right now. Smoke. Yeah, Moose wants to smoke. Moose said he wanted to smoke. (laughs) You have to hear the segment to fully understand it. And they just had their uh, Drive Up Wrestling, their second show this past weekend at the Oakdale Mall, so shout out to them.
1: Never got the chance to say it, but I'll say it now. Greatest poster they've ever done. Yes. If you haven't seen it, go to the Excite Facebook page. Oh, look yeah. yeah the, photo, the photo of a moose in like a graduation cap and gown smiling with a thumbs up is the greatest poster I've ever seen. Fantastic.
0: It is amazing. I'm trying to tell him make it on a t-shirt at least a magnet. Oh, my God, he should. <laughs> I want to blow it up. I want to <laughs> put it on here like a fathead.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the
0: wrestling talk will go there, twitch.tv slash seven podcast But I'm just going to get right into locks and leaps. Yeah. All right. If you've been following the show, you know we did the Invitational the teams, the content creators, the podcast, they all stepped up. The they, wives. <laughs> the wives stepped up. Last minute, we had a couple of people chime in. They said, hey, I want in. And we said, why not? So on our Yahoo group in first place, Mrs. Coach Duffy. Hey. Yeah.
2: Shocker in our household, by the way. With 11 points. Hounding the, the lines. Hounding yes. them. Yes. No advice, mind you. I, she wanted me to make sure I made this very, very clear. I gave her very minimal advice outside of, like, maybe if a player left and
0: anything, but it was literally all her. Yes. So Aaron is currently leading the division. The, the Coach Duffy is tied in second with Ghost of the Stratosphere, Stu's Clues, shout out to them, uh, Three Fat Nerds, Wonder Soul, 30 and Nerdy, Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming, Tyler from Second suitor, Colby Mack, us, myself, Oh, so, Wizard, Padawan J, Evan the Great, and JVD from The Villains Demand. Dre and Vinny are Rounding out the field, so we'll have to see what goes on for week two. So let's waste no more time. Here is our official picks for week two of the locks and leaps invitational, starting with Coach Duffy.
2: So these lines this week, if nobody's uh, gone in, check they're atrocious, are gross. This is garbage. This is really tough. Uh, I had um, my lock is going to be uh, because that's probably just the easiest. Uh, I'm going to go with, and I had it, and now it's gone. I'm going to go with, oh, God, I'm scrambling. I had it, and now it's gone. Uh, the Bills. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. All right? Five-and-a-half-point favorites going down to Miami. Uh, definitely going to think, uh, I, I I assume comfortably, that they are going to win that game outright and cover. And my leap is going to be, uh, Pat, I'm sticking with the AFC East. My leap is going to be the Patriots going into Seattle.
1: Funny you should mention that. I saw a stat on uh, Twitter today. Uh, The Seahawks are currently favored by four points uh, over the Patriots for this weekend. Uh, Presuming this holds, uh, it will snap a streak of 64 straight regular season games. The Patriots have been favored. The longest ever streak. In the Super Bowl era,
2: yeah, I mean, uh, I thought the Patriots played really well last week. I love what they're doing. Um, I know twelfth man in Seattle. This is and true. The decibel noise is only gonna is only allowed uh-huh. at seventy eight yep. decibels. Yep. So it's not going to be as loud and as rowdy as it is. No. And I love the fact that Cam Newton's going to run the ball and be aggressive on the run, and that just adds a wrinkle to an offense that teams aren't going to be prepared for.
0: Uh-huh. Uh, it's going to be a fun game of the weekend.
2: Let's like, go like AFC said,
0: East. The games are fun, but the lines are awful. All yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. I, I think that one's going to be the game of the weekend, though, Seattle and New England.
1: Yep. Uh, I'm For my lock. I'm looking at the 49ers and Jets game. I know this might be low-hanging fruit, but, hey, I'm going to take it. Do it. Uh, currently, San Francisco is favored by seven points, and with as god-awful as the Jets looked on Sunday against the Bills, uh, it's not going to get any better for the Jets.
2: I just don't love West traveling East. That was my problem. Uh, I, I looked at it, too, was and with was with like, I oh, Because Jimmy Garoppolo did not look good against Arizona.
1: I think that normally that's the case, but it's god fucking awful as the Jets are that (laughs) I've I've talked to a few Jets fans and they're ready to jump ship from the team. They they always, the tank for Trevor
0: movement is on.
1: You know, I know a few who are even ready to switch allegiances from the Jets. Yikes. You know, so I I think the Niners are going to be able to win that one. And then again, crap lines, but I'm going to go with the Eagles as my leap for this. Uh, They are currently one and a half point dog, or uh, they're. The Rams are currently favored by one and a half points. I just think you know that game against the Cowboys was real close, and I I think there's no way the Eagles will go zero and two. Doug Peterson and all all the folks down there in Philly are going to rally the troops, you know, circle the nests, whatever the hell they whatever (laughs) the hell they have. I just don't think there's any, and the games in Philly this week. I just don't think there's any way. Philly's going to go 0-2.
2: That offensive line should... Carson Wentz, in particular, should be very worried about Aaron Donald though. That's yeah. true.
1: That's true. My God.
4: He yeah.
0: dominated three Cowboys on that one video that's going yep. around. Yep. He's going to be the biggest factor in that game. I will say for my leap, I actually took Philly, too, so... All, right, all same right, And plus, for the same reason you mentioned, Coach, West Coast team traveling east, 1 o'clock game. Fair enough. Did not really feel the Rams on this one. In fact, I wasn't really that impressed with them on Sunday night. Sure, so. that, that I can agree with because yeah. they did not look good. No, they didn't look good. Dallas... I same old that, Dallas. Same old Dallas, but I actually took them as my— <laughs> I knew you were going to go. <laughs> I took them as my—you can tell my is coming a mile away. I actually took the Cowboys, though, I love minus it. five against— Who is Atlanta? I'm just staying away from what is Atlanta. I'm just staying away from it. I want nothing to do with it.
2: Nothing to do with it. I just I looked at it, too, and I was like, you know what? Cowboys stink. Falcons suck. Nothing to do with that game.
0: Oh, I thought, Pat, you were going to say
2: something.
1: Uh, no, uh, just being in regards to the Rams. Uh, you know, they didn't look good. What did look good? A new stadium. Yeah, that oh, new stadium looked good. Oh, no? That that oh, milk. you're right. yeah. No, yeah, 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 yeah. A yeah, yeah. new stadium, real sexy. Man, yeah. Yeah. But of course, Jerry Jones. But, of course, for that price tag, it better goddamn look sexy. Jerry
2: Jones was probably... Hella jealous when he walked uh-huh. into that building. Uh-huh. He saw that revolving uh,
0: <laughs> Teletron there. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. He, I'm sure
2: he's
1: like
0: when, not, he, he, he was t- he's in probably Dallas.
1: texting an engineer friend of his, going, "How can we make this work?"
2: They uh, they made a comment on it. Like I guess Cronky brought uh, Jones in to take a tour, and like uh, uh, Al Michaels. Um, quote from Jer- jerry jones you could just feel was a little slighted you know with with the comment that he made so yeah that, uh, but the stadium is beautiful i mean real good because the la people <laughs> did the bill so they better be happy
0: yeah because the football teams absolutely suck so <laughs> 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 oh. i'm sorry look, the chargers did not impress me pew, and, pew, pew, pew. and i'm sorry the rams you're not selling me other than your defense and that's only because aaron donald sure so that's what I said. I, I went with Dallas on this one, and I took Philly as my leap. So And that
2: terrible belly tattoo by Zeke. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, my God. I just, I have no words for that. Hey, like, you hey, got to
2: have, like, that bottom. Like, I like the, the Chuck Liddell and the fat guy abs, like, if yeah, he had that tattoo, it would yeah, work because yeah. then he could still have the fat. But Zeke doesn't have that. He just has a belly. Hey, yeah.
1: hey breaking news for what it's worth uh, 49ers are signing Muhammad Sanu one-year deal
0: well i mean that's well, would because Debo samuel's, Debo samuel's out so yep smart move for them so yeah a lot of moves late breaking going into week two we gave you our locks and leaps. definitely joining the conversation on social media you can find all our links at ocho duro com to make your locks and leaps known and if you're in our uh yahoo group uh we still got a lot of football left to play, so don't get General, discouraged. Rough week. week. It was a, a rough week. It was coming a rough up. week. So definitely, this one is going to be kind of separating the pack a little bit. I can't <laughs> wait to get into it, <laughs> yeah. and we'll have to see who's the champ at the end of week two. So that all being said, the music you heard on this episode of the ODPH podcast is that of Fair City Fire. Now, as you are listening to the show, and depending on when you hear this, there is an event going on in Austin, Texas, that Brian Wolf is actually playing at. Oh. So it's a little benefit show. So if you want to find out more about that and everything going on with Fair City Fire. Just head on over to OchoDuroPalear.com, hit up the music section, and it'll take you right to all of their links. Also, it'll take you to Shout at the Robots, Fair City Fire, Second Suitor, and all the great music you hear on the ODPH. Also, on our website, you can check out our directory, which has friends of the show, such as Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming excite wrestling organizational links to black lives matter and voter registration plus you get to check out all the pod chaser lists for all the amazing groups that we are in so shout out to pod nation shout out to legion independent podcast shout out to alternate reality radio shout out to hashtag 67 podcast and shout out to the apocalypse who is actually pod rating us this week so thank you to everybody who's been leaving reviews doing subscriptions downloads it means the world to us so thank you thank you thank you And also shout out to our friends over at 8122 Productions, Rich, Ron, hashtag Big Nighty Cool, still on Twitter pad. Oh, boy. He has not gotten kicked off yet. He is bringing you all the heat. And if you want to find out what we are talking about each and every week, sign up for their Patreon. $1 gets you in the door, $3 gets you a comfy seat at the table. All of that and so much more at OchoDuroParleyHour.com. That's all I got for this week. So for your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. Good night and good luck. For the one and only Paddle One J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parley Hour. See you next time.